I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is Slice by Slice, a podcast where we dissect and discuss horror films by categories and subgenres such as slashers, vampires, franchises, and directors' bodies of work. And of course, we can't dissect and discuss these films in the detail we do without spoilers. Hey, buddy, I haven't seen you in a long time. I was only in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) This just got a little creepy. To you guys, it's been two weeks, but to Josh and I, we just recorded the last episode 15 minutes ago. Yeah, we're we're on another 10-hour tear here. (laughs) (laughs) It is 10 p.m. on like a weeknight that we both worked and we both have to get up in the morning, so we're going to hate life tomorrow, but you know. I'm going to be real bad at math at work at once. In the tomorrow. It's already started shit. Oh, man. <laughs> Editing's going to suck on this one. We're back again for episode 26, Horror Comedies 2, because we couldn't narrow it down to one episode. Yeah, we never can. <laughs> you're lucky you're not getting a third. In one sitting? No, I meant like three <laughs> horror comedy episodes in a row. Okay. Oh, dude, this is a genre I can always come back to. This is me we're talking about. It's just fucking, it's fun. We said it so much in the last one. I'm going to say the word fun, 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 fun a bunch on this one. We were talking about Halloween Horror Nights and stuff so much last episode. I forgot to say, uh, I finally finished Swamp Thing. Yay! The show, it was fucking fantastic. I'm so mad that it's canceled. That's it, man. It's it's all, almost like Netflix picks it up or something. I mean, Netflix just cancels shows now, too. I don't fucking know. It's just insane. There's so many bullshit rumors on why that show got canceled, but like, it seems like everyone loves it online. And it was really fucking good. And I just, I don't feel like we'll get anything for Swamp Thing of that quality ever again. Uh, Probably not anytime soon. But at least it gives James Wan time to work on that fucking horror movie he's working on. So I can't wait to see that. Yeah, that's not Nightmare on Elm Street. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently not. Damn it. (laughs) Couple of interesting horror facts, though. For one, John Carpenter's working on a fucking comic book. He's writing The Joker. That's just weird to me, man. I mean, The Joker's like a serial killer, so that kind of works. True. And I don't know how I feel about this. I know I posted it on our Twitter, but... Blumhouse is not rebooting Scream. They debunked it. How do you feel? Like, I'm mixed on it. I'm indifferent, honestly. Like, I don't feel that it needs a reboot, but somebody's going to do it anyways. Yeah. I would trust Blumhouse with it, and I would rather them do it before some jackass comes in and does it. I'll give you that all day long, but let's get some distance away from the latest try on the TV series before anybody does anything. Right, because I haven't seen it yet, but I heard I should just not even bother. It it's is not for you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know you don't keep up with Halloween, like Halloween franchise, not the holiday news as much as I do. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the only reason I remember my wedding anniversary. But <laughs> <laughs> you did make it easy for yourself. Uh, damn right. But did you see all the rumors that they were getting Paul Rudd to come back and play Tommy Doyle in the next David Gordon Green? Halloween sequel? I didn't, but now you explaining it that way makes the tweet make more sense. Oh, okay, so. <laughs> Damn you, Josh. Uh, so Paul Rudd's first film was Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, where he played Tommy Doyle grown up. Yeah. Okay. And the rumors were they were trying to pull him away from Ant-Man and Avengers and shit long enough to do this, which I was excited because I liked him in that role. He's not doing it, but Anthony Michael Hall is, and... I don't know. Fuck it. Why yeah, not? I don't. Okay. <laughs> I can't say anything bad about it. I, I mean, he was, he was a great dorky kid 
in the John Hughes films, right? Yeah. But then he did do the Stephen King's Dead Zone show where he was the star. Oh, And he was really good in that. So he can do it, I think. I mean, I don't know who I would rather have it if Paul Rudd couldn't do it. But I can't say I'm disappointed. I want to see how it works. Anthony Michael Dining Hall. (laughs) What's that from? Uh, Not Another Teen Movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking, (laughs) that is a funny spoof movie. Yes. But uh, anyways, we're here, like I said earlier, to do Horror Comedies Part 2, and we're going to start off with Broken Lizards 2004, Club Dread. This movie is a love letter to the slasher genre on one hand, funny as shit on the other hand, original in its own way, kind of, but at the <laughs> same way, not original. I, I can admit that. Um, I'm the slasher guy, and I fucking, I love this movie. I didn't realize I love this movie. I saw it in theaters, and I was like, eh, it's a mad movie. And then here I, I rewatched it as Josh picked it as his choice for this episode, and fuck, it was a lot of fun. And it's, I mean, it was a true slasher movie. Yeah. I shit you not, the, uh, the wife loves this movie so much, we probably watch it between five and ten times a year. And I say that because it's our, it's one of the go-to, it's time to go to bed, let's throw this movie on. Gotcha. But of course, as you said, it's a broken lizard movie. Now, going back to, you know, the first movie, Puddle Cruisers, which is terrible. I've never even heard of that one. Yeah, we, we own it, unfortunately. But then, you know, of course, Super Troopers. That's like a go-to, throw whenever the fuck you want on, on <laughs> TV movie. It's great. Um, the sequel was good, too. I helped fund that. <laughs> <laughs> Were you a producer? <laughs> oh, hell no. They didn't get that much money out of me. Um, I got my aviators, my mustache, and my shirt. <laughs> that was my tier. But, uh, of course, Broken Lizard being headed, basically, by J. Chandra Sakar and written by, quote-unquote, Broken Lizard. Because Broken Lizard is, you know, like a, a troupe. And it actually kind of started off as a comedy troupe that went from stand-up into actually writing and making movies. And Jay has directed a, other stuff. Um, yes. He did a big chunk of the fucking Goldbergs. Oh, really? Yeah. I know uh, he did the Dukes of Hazard reboot yes. uh, with Johnny Knoxville and Stifler. And some people shit on the movie. I thought it was fucking fun. <laughs> I thought it was great. I love the thing when they're in Atlanta and the, everybody's honking at him. It's like, get out of here, you braces. <laughs> and they look at the top of the car and they're like, oh, shit. But at any rate. So the there's a lot of like side characters and background cast and everything, but I'm going to run through the core here. But it's got Bill fucking Paxton in it, it. It does. We go from fucking Bill Pullman <laughs> to Bill Paxton. Yeah. Yeah. But of course we've got Jay as Putman. Anybody notice the obvious that I'm not saying his last name anymore? <laughs> um, Kevin Heffernan as Lars. Radio. <laughs> Steve Lemie. Is it Lemie? Is that how you pronounce his last name? I don't uh, know if it's Lemmy, Lim, Lim. <laughs> as Juan, Juan Castiel, <laughs> Paul Soder as Dave, Eric Stolhansky as Sam, and Brittany Daniel as Jenny. Then it gets interesting. Jordan Ladd as Penelope. Penelope. <laughs> and Bill motherfucking Paxson as Coconut Pete. And I should have done more digging. I don't know how they got him to do this movie, but this is another one of those where if you take him away and have someone else play that character, the movie doesn't work. Right. And I really feel like I could say that for almost any character he played in film. He's such a character actor. Like, I mean, we covered any of his other films on here. Um, Vampire one. Near dark. Yeah. Near dark. Like, 
Nobody else could have done that. Yeah. Aliens. Game over, man. It's fucking him. <laughs> Chet and weird science, man. He's just, he's a character actor and he was always fun and we miss him. Jordan yes. Ladd, though. Uh, Cabin Fever, right? Yes. Is that our, okay. Okay. I was making sure. And a bunch of other stuff, but to go ahead and dig into this movie, we open with an overview of Pleasure Island, Costa Rica, and we see this dude and this girl getting ready to get freaky in the jungle. We don't know who they are or what's going on. We're just thrown right into this. We get a jump scare from a monkey, and then we get another jump scare from Kelly, who shows up with some extra special margaritas. <laughs> and they discuss where all this is going to go down, because they're actually standing in, like, in the ruins of a cemetery in the jungle. And uh, Stacy has the great idea. Let's at least go inside that old mausoleum. So they go in and they do heads or tails. And uh, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of me laughing in the background on this one. I'm sorry. So Stacy's blowing, dude. And uh, Kelly hears a noise and she asks, Did you hear that? Was it um strange sucking sound? <laughs> oh. So Kelly immediately sees the killer come out of the shadows in a t- tiki mask and he just straight up chops, dude. Yeah. The girls take off running. It's just a quick scene, and you got two girls going from, like, clothed to topless to running clothed again, and a dead dude, and you're like, I'm a minute in this movie. Yeah, and they're they're immediately split up in the jungle. So as they take off, Kelly ends up at a cliffside, and I love this shot so much because she's reaching behind her without looking, trying to grab, like, some foliage of some kind. She grabs something. It's the fucking machete. Right. And you get this nice slow shot of her weight pulling her back and her hand slicing open as it comes down and off the blade. And of course, she falls to her death. We go back to see what's going on with Stacy, and she's nearly made it back to quote unquote civilization in the pool party. Right. But she stops only to get decapitated. <laughs> Title card. <laughs> Right after the head spins and falls to the ground. It's a hell of an opening. Yes, it's it's in true slasher fashion. And um, one hour earlier. So we see a boat filled with guests arrive at the island. And we, we've got the perfect setup for all the employees. We get the freeze frame, their name, what their activity is. We get Jenny, aerobics, Juan, water sports. That means two things. <laughs> Putman, tennis, Dave, DJ, and drugs. Sam, fun police. <laughs> we're also introduced to you and Carlos. And uh, while this is going on, we're following Lars, like walking past all them, trying to introduce himself. And they just think he's another guest. And uh, get the fuck out of here, Farva. We see Kelly ask Sam for something extra for her drinks. <laughs> so that's where that bit is. Would that be ecstasy, Joshua? Exactly. <laughs> Jesus, that was terrible. You should keep that. Um, <laughs> no more X puns. <laughs> so we see Pete come out and uh, he does a song and kicks off the party. He tells the guest, your cell phones won't work here. There are no fax machines. And most importantly of all, no strings attached. Because this is Pleasure Fucking Island. Right. So we're introduced to Penelope from Nome, Alaska. And what's happened all the way up to the greeting and to her is as we're meeting these people and they have quick interactions with each other, you get slow motion, dramatic music, pull away shots. So every fucking like six people you've been introduced to are all set up as red herrings. Like I'm mad about something. (laughs) And it's all like something stupid and like little. And it's like 
nobody in there nobody would kill anybody over it but <laughs> exactly you don't know where they're going we also see during all the introductions back behind the pool you can see stacy die in the background <laughs> So Lars finally gets to introduce himself as the new masseuse and he shows you and Jenny what he can do with his hands because uh, he's pretty fucking good at what he does. And we also find out through conversation that Dave is Pete's nephew. So we cut to that night's party. Putman is a total douche and his character is almost too much. He's like the, could you just go in another room and not talk anymore? Kind of douche. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's a weird character and he's got like this the weird British accent and I don't, I don't, it's too much. That's the only thing I can fault in this. Well, there's a couple things I can fault in this movie, but him piss on that. I got a machete. <laughs> I was trying to tell him about cocks and quarters. <laughs> anyway, I just like in like both super troopers and this film, he just plays the, what ethnicity am I card? I know, right? <laughs> Who wants a mustache ride? It's going to be so hard for me to separate super troopers from this movie. <laughs> so uh, we see Juan meet Penelope and he grabs her boob to look at her name tag and he's like, Penelope, <laughs> what a beautiful <laughs> name for the rest of this review synopsis. She will be Penelope. Well, it was actually a joke from Jay from going to a movie and someone either in line, seeing a billboard or in a movie, seeing it on screen. They saw the name Penelope in text and they were like, Penelope, what the fuck kind of stupid name is Penelope? <laughs> and supposedly that's where that came from. So anyways, Juan's talking to Penelope and she talks about how she's from Oral Roberts. And he asks, is uh, that anything like uh, Anil Johnson? <laughs> Or am I thinking Dirty Sanchez? <laughs> and she's like, what's that? And he's like, he's not for you. <laughs> he's my f he has some of the best lines in the whole movie. And Josh can't be racist with his accents because he's, he's, oh, yeah, he's the, impersonating an actor who's being racist with his accents. It's so bad, man. Uh, it's so bad. It's good. Meanwhile, we've got Carlos out on a smoke break and he sees... Three amigos took an undersea trip and were never seen again. Guess the song of the day on the activities board. So this is written on there and this is going to play into what's going on as the movie progresses. So you all of a sudden comes at him with a knife and tells him that the knives are filthy and that he needs to clean them. <laughs> <laughs> so she walks off and then we see another knife plunge into frame and down into Carlos. Carlos screams. So shit's happening real fast. Going back and watching this for the podcast, I was actually shocked how fast it just starts to escalate. So by now, the uh, party's moved out onto the beach, and Pete is rocking out with Lars. Ponytails, cocktails, ponytails, cocktails, two things that will always rock. <laughs> but a word to all you males, don't ever lose those tails. Or then you'll just have pony cock. Anyways. <laughs> These songs are fantastic. I'm so glad that it's actually Bill singing them. Yes. Because his voice just goes. Um, they released a special edition vinyl. And so I got it for the wife. Oh, that's so awesome. We, we've, we've got them all on vinyl. Because, I mean, he's basically Warren Buffett and Willie Nelson put together. Yes. <laughs> that's perfect. So after they finish the song, this drunk chick starts yelling at him, play Margaritaville. He's like, I think you mean Pina Colada Bird. No, Margaritaville. I fucking love that song. He's like, I think you mean Pina Colada Bird. The song I wrote seven and a half fucking years before that song came out. <laughs> oh, he's so good. 
We see uh, Laura's giving uh, Jenny the quote-unquote good touch. And uh, <laughs> she's like, oh, thanks. He's like, I could see how tight you were from a mile away. <laughs> what can I say? Some girls are just tighter than others. <laughs> and uh, I, would you think that is a blessing or a curse to make people be able to just orgasm with your touch? Um, considering all of his special moves, I think it's a blessing. <laughs> now, here's the bigger question. Can he touch himself? Ooh. <laughs> Uh, I guess it would just depend if you could control it, like when it worked. If it just happened yeah. every time you touch somebody, oh, that'd be awkward. <laughs> that would be very awkward. But they talk a little bit, and uh, see, Jenny is the new Amy Aerobics because she's on this show. And there's two stoner guys earlier that talk about her. It's like, yeah, she used to be the girl in the back, and then she got moved to palm by the palm tree girl, and then Amy Aerobics died. Now she's the new Amy Aerobics. But they're talking about it, and she's like, yeah, Amy Aerobics accidentally ate some rat poison, so I guess I'm the new her. So it's another one of those red herring. That's what we call that. So back out at the beach. Um, Dave tells the story of Phil Coletti, i.e. Machete Phil, who was led to the jungle by a girl one night. And as he banged her in the darkness, a flash of lightning revealed the crowd watching him fuck a corpse. Ooh. So after that, he went and grabbed a machete, chopped the staff into a hundred pieces, and then cut off his own dick and was never seen again. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> That's an origin story. <laughs> yeah, that's the origin story of Machete Phil. And that boy was me. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about it when I watched it and I forgot about it. He said it. Basically, he stands up Buffalo Bill style with a shit tucked in between his legs. <laughs> what? Well, it's Putman stands up and does it. Right. And then Dave stands up and you see he was prepped too. He's like, Putman, you're an, you're an asshole, Putman. <laughs> Something like that. And they make a joke on the commentary about how they had to CGI more bush onto one of them because <laughs> they couldn't tuck their dick well enough. <laughs> Anyways. He must have had a micro penis. <laughs> so the next day, Pina Colada Bird plays and we see a <laughs> montage of the daily activities. Um, but Pete sees Bongo the Stone Crab was high as a kite till he fell and cracked his shell on the activities board. We cut to drunk Pac-Man which we have to do. My back balcony is perfect for this. We just need to build the maze. Yep, yep. And we find out Pretzel is missing. <laughs> That's because he, Juan, is busy fucking watermelon <laughs> out in this shit because everybody's in these big suits. So Pear is sent into the maze in his stead. And this is the most slashery thing in the whole movie. We get a straight up POV shot of someone going and putting on the pineapple costume and they start chasing down pear in the maze. While this is going on, Jenny runs into Lars playing with his swords. He's just like practicing out in the jungle and shit. And this is when he shows her some of some more of his moves as uh, this guy and this girl come over while they're playing games. And uh, I forget what he calls him, but he, but he does one and the girl passes out and then he does another one and it causes him to piss. Does it cause the dude to piss himself? It causes the dude to piss himself. He then shows her the heaven point. Uh, fuck me. So all of a sudden, paragliding Carlos' corpse slams into some shit that's right beside them. And uh, they're looking at his body and he has naughty Carlos carved into his chest, fucking Freddy Krueger style. Right after that, Pear's discovered with naughty Cliff carved into him. And uh, he's got the staff only sign hung on him. I just want to say when he gets caught and killed in the maze, it's ridiculous because he's in this fat ass pear costume and the pear's belly gets sliced yes. open and the guts come out 
and it, it looks good other than the fact the guts are like the shape and size of the pear. Like that was the stomach and not the dude. Yes. And it's just one of those like subtle, ridiculous things they do in there. And I fucking love it. Yeah. You could tell it was done on purpose. It's so great. So they tell Pete about the murders and uh, Sam shows everyone the names crossed out in blood on the activities board. And they see, uh, do your jobs and live, tell the guests and die. And every time you hear me talk like that, it's in the guest, the guess the song, right? Little section under the board. And it was actually a really clever idea to throw that in the movie. Cause like a lot of times it just doesn't make sense yeah. why things are still happening. And this one's like, we're going to fucking murder people unless you just play normal. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they quickly discover that the comms are trashed and the boats are gone. So we quickly get the, you can't call, you can't escape. So you're trapped on Pleasure Island. So they do the, the kind of circle the wagons bit and try to come up with a, with a plan. And uh, Pete says that he should let Hank take charge because he's ex-FBI and he's seen some shit. Hey, I was in Nicaragua, Junior. When you can stuff your intestines back in your pockets and walk 20 clicks to an aid station after a knife fight with guerrilla drug lords, then you talk to me. And this is so fucking good because Hank is played by uh, MC Ganey. Okay. And he was fucking uh, swamp thing in Conair. That's right. I knew his face and I didn't. I'm bad at podcast notes. He, uh, I mean, he usually plays like a biker or a big gruff guy, but he's just always funny. Like just when he talks, he's always a funny guy in this movie. Like he tries to say serious lines and they're funny still. Yeah. Cause there's jokes made about him. It's like, oh, so what this guy keep the. The hippies from stealing the bongs off your tour bus. Right. And I think it's uh, Dave that's like, Pete, you know, I've literally served this man 20 beers a day for the past X amount yeah. of years and shit. But uh, he tells them that they're going to play along. And when the killer comes, he'll get them because he's seen this shit before. <laughs> so he's smart, though. He sets up a pinata party on the beach because they're looking for a left handed person. It's like the cut on the pair was right to left yeah and uh you'll notice they've got the uh the party goers dancing on the beach around bonfires but the bonfires are sos so out on the beach penelope tries to lure Juan on down the the beach and they do a great she's like we can go over there and it's like it's all bright brightly lit and everything at the party right and it shows this like shaky crappily lit down the beach like uh he's not for me he, he, doesn't, he doesn't say that but uh because she's really creepy she's like like the the girl in uh wedding crashers don't ever go anywhere because i'll find you like that's <laughs> fisher do you know who she's married to i forget sasha baron cohen fucking borat what yeah Dude, you just broke my brain. I hope you know that. <laughs> but she even says, she's like, I heard you were being naughty, Juan. When you were supposed to be in the maze, you were eating watermelon. Right. And he's like, how do you know about that? And she's like, I see everything. Because <laughs> she's so good at creepy chick in this movie. They have her set up to be the creepiest. So she would have to be the most obvious red herring. But they do a good job of like, this is the killer. Or she's at least crazy in some way. Yes. But he, he gives her the slip. Is that like a dirty Sancho? <laughs> Uh, you're thinking of the uh, the Cleveland steamer. <laughs> yeah, so Juan gives her the slip, and uh, we see Jenny and Lars searching rooms because that's that's part of the plan. You know, we're we're, we're getting intel. You know, we're not going to freak out, but we're at least gonna gonna see if we can find something. And uh, while you're bringing up Lars, I just want to say, I mean, usually with comedians, the acting's hit or miss. They're usually just funny. Him from Farva to Lars. Oh yeah. Just fucking leaps and bounds different. Yep. 
It's probably the most impressing acting out of all. Of them. And I'm not saying that either character's fucking award winning acting. I'm just no. saying like, I fucking hate Farva. And, and I like Lars. Love Lars. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was going to say. And he is, I want a leader cola. Leader cola. <laughs> Do we have leader cola? It's for a cup. <laughs> <laughs> Does this look like spit to you? <laughs> no, no. His best line. I know I keep going back to super troopers is when they fucking do like something. <laughs> I guess is that powdered sugar. It was delicious. But Lars ends up telling uh, Jenny while they're searching that there's something familiar about the poems on the board. Cause I kind of got ahead of myself. Nobody has figured out that they're song lyrics yet. It's just right. mystery notes. And uh, I, if you said this, I'm sorry, but Lars is like a super fan of coconut Pete. Yeah. You're like, he's got a shirt. He's like, this is just like the shirt you wore on the blah, blah, blah tour. And Coconut Pete's like, yeah, whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also cut to Putman going through Pete's uh, records. By records, I mean albums. But <laughs> do you know back in the day when they started pressing records, they were so small and so short that you would actually, not like the vinyl we grew up seeing our parents have. These were not even like 45s and stuff. These are totally different. And they would come in a book. And there'd be like multiple of them. And that was literally an album. Okay. And then it turned into just a single record being referred to as an album. And then to this day, you know, pressings of CDs or a release of MP3s is still referred to as an album. Story time with Josh. <laughs> Anyways. So these records are albums, not like files <laughs> is what I was trying to get at. And he finds one with a message written on it. And it says from Pete to Dave. And uh, sorry about your parents. And he also finds a news clipping, but we don't get to see what's on it. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Meanwhile, you is freaking out and wants to tell the guests all of a sudden, but that's not the plan. Or is it? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and all this shit really does happen this fast. I have no fucking clue who you is. <laughs> Every <laughs> time I read it and he's saying, I'm like, who the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> I let it slide for like half an hour and I'm like, all right, this name's going to keep popping up. And I think he made it up. So she goes to round up the straggler. <laughs> you fuck you. How did you fucking do that? You're like, ah. So. So she goes to round up the stragglers for an announcement, which lures out the killer. You leads him straight to Hank. And Hank talks shit about how there's always one guy who shits in the apple pie. He chose the wrong pie because this pie shits back. <laughs> <laughs> and just as he's going on his fucking rant, the killer just keeps walking right up to him and just slits his fucking throat. <laughs> right. Like he doesn't stand a chance. Like you think he's about to have this badass fucking five foot long bong thermos throw down, but it just doesn't happen. This is I'm the guy who's going to save all your asses <laughs> revisited. Actually, yeah. So you hops on this golf cart to make her high speed escape. And this golf cart is like barely fucking moving. And as the shot moves out, you can see the fucking killer just walk up beside the golf cart, like going faster than her. And honestly, this is the only like scary movie type scene in the movie to me. Like they did a good job of yeah. making a comedy slasher where this is, you know, cause I wanted to distinguish between a comedy horror movie and a parody yeah. movie. Right. And this is the only scene I feel like that steps its toe over that line. Yeah. We get, I think we get a shot, a cutaway shot to the moon or something. And we hear you scream. We hear her scream. <laughs> <laughs> so the next day, Lars tells Pete that, uh, one of the poems was a line from a coconut Pete song. 
So they go and find the album and they're listening to the song for clues. And they figure out that the song's lines seem to be describing the killings. But Pete says he was too fucked up to remember what the hell he was writing about. <laughs> He's like, like, what it means? I don't even remember recording the fucking album. Because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doesn't somebody say something like, I can't believe our lives depend on interpreting these stupid fucking songs or it, something like that? It's, it's Jenny, and she's like, I can't believe we're trying to decipher a fucking acid trip song. Yeah. <laughs> One person. You and Hank are fucking dead. You threatening me? Because if you are, you little hairless lapdog. Puta, just come and look. So Juan then shows them dead Hank. And uh, he's got, don't let this be you carved into his chest. <laughs> you is Y-U. That is how you spells her name. <laughs> the puns are endless with this one. <laughs> At least we now know who you is. <laughs> <laughs> so they try to keep things going normal for the guests and uh, they continue to get nowhere with the lyrics. They think someone might get killed by an octopus. <laughs> <laughs> It comes up in the lyrics. And they're like, someone's going to get killed by an octopus. Putman, have you seen his hair? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's got to be him. <laughs> well, Penelope ends up bringing Juan a plate of octopus. Right. She shoves it right in his fucking mouth while he's talking. This happens in front of Jenny. And she scampers off. He spits it out. With Jenny seeing all this, she comes up with a plan with Juan. So we cut to Juan in bed with Penelope. <laughs> while Jenny, Dave, and Sam are all in the closet. Right. <laughs> and Penelope tells Juan that she has a secret. And it's like, oh shit, oh shit, it's all going to go down. That crazy little bitch, it's her. She whips out something from under the blankets. And it's a picture of her in a gymnast uniform. <laughs> and uh, she's like, I spent my whole life in a gym. And I just wanted to come out and party like everyone else. You're a gymnast? You're a gymnast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And so they keep boning down and they eventually go uh, for a break. She walks off to the bathroom. No, man. You just get the best part. I mean, she pops her top off, so her boobs are out, but that's not even what I'm talking about. When she does, she does the, the flip. fucking full on flip and lands on him doing the splits. It's fucking hilarious. It's great because she's a gymnast. But during the break, he goes over to the closet and Jenny's like, Don't you think we're done now? I'm still not sure. I may need a few more hours to bump her for information. But meanwhile, Putman and Lars uh, go off looking for the boats because the boats, they're not like busted up on the shore or anything. They're just missing. And these are like little speed boats. So they end up on the beach at night and they fall asleep. And uh, Putman looks at the clipping that he pulled earlier. And uh, we see that Dave's parents were trampled to death at a Coconut Peak concert. Right. Oh, maybe oh, he's yeah. out for revenge. <laughs> um, but Putman ends up having a nightmare where he's the killer killing himself <laughs> it's kind of like when yoda sends luke into that it's, fucked up cave yes. on dagobah and he fights vader only to find his own face under the helmet foreshadowing um <laughs> but yeah he wakes up freaks out runs off into the woods uh we also see sam and dave search lars's room and they find this crazy ass coconut peach shrine right like i do voodoo and masturbate level of shrine <laughs> they did a good like scream type job of making everybody be the killer yes um so the next morning lars comes back with one of the boats but the propellers trashed and uh sam starts trying to turn the group on lars and uh lars responds with hey i don't have to tell you shit fun pig 
You want to fun arrest me? You get a fun fucking warrant. Until then, stay out of my fun fucking face. Because Sam is the fun police. <laughs> so they throw Lars in the drunk tank. That night, Jenny goes for a swim and a uh, little dude, Dirk, and he starts hitting on her because he's like, oh my God, there's something in the water. No, wait, that's just my huge dick. <laughs> <laughs> and the killer fucking comes up holding a TV that's plugged in and playing Amy fucking aerobics. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and Dirk's all like, now that's what I call service. Of course, Jenny's getting out of the fucking pool right. while this is going on. The killer throws the TV in the pool. Dirk gets fried. So uh, Jenny ends up running into Putman. Who starts talking really fucking weird and it's really out of place. And I don't know. I didn't ever understood that. I don't know if that was just put in there like, now we got to make everyone think Putman's the killer. That's exactly what I think it was. So, I mean, it was throwaway shit. But at any rate, Sam shows up again. Sam starts showing up in conversations a lot towards the end of the movie. Jenny says this means it can't be Lars because Lars was in the fucking drunk tank. Let's go check. So they go. And he's escaped through this tiny fucking window <laughs> yes. that even I couldn't fit through. So they kind of split, but then they all end up back together in uh, Pete's room. And this is when Sam confronts Juan about his time in jail. <laughs> uh, it's a, it was a Costa Rican prison. And I think it's Dave that says, uh, that's some hardcore anal action, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Juan ends up backing into this chair that spins around and releases this rope and fucking coconut Pete's corpse comes crashing through the window. <laughs> Game over, man. Game fucking over. <laughs> I may be out of order here. I'm out of order here. Never mind. But Juan ends up admitting while he was in jail. <laughs> yes. Or why he was in jail. And it's because I, Juan Cassiel, have a sex with a goat. <laughs> yes. We lived on a farm. I was lonely. <laughs> The favorite part is when he says he used a condom and Jenny's like, I thought you said they were against your religion. Exactly. Oh, Putman decides this is the best time to bring up the news clipping. Like it's Dave. Cause Dave's parents were trampled to death. I can't do his accent. Fuck it. They were trampled to death at a coconut Pete concert. And everybody's like, dude, Everybody knows about that. Yeah, man. Way to bring up painful fucking memories. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and they play it off great. And uh, Dave's like, no, man, Pete was getting ready to go back on the road. He signed the island over to me. But this is when Lars comes in crying. And, uh, and immediately Sam's like, you know, bravo. Great performance. Like once again, like it's Lars, it's Lars. But yeah, he basically says that he's just faking and that it's all bullshit. So the group ends up splitting again and Jenny and Lars hear this noise. And when everybody's splitting up, you see Dave go back to his party pad and he's like, I know where the generator is. Right. <laughs> he's fucking every time you see him, he's like snorting something or smoking something or eating more pills because he's the DJ and drugs guy. But somehow he can run an island. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but, uh. So Jenny and Lars hear noise over from Dave's and they go in and they find his head spinning right round like a record baby right round, round, round. <laughs> now, did you notice on that? I couldn't find anything in the commentary or anything. I literally think it's him and he's on a lazy Susan under the table and his body's spinning. Because if you watch the eyes as it comes by, I swear you can see his eyes okay. cut back and forth. Because it looks really good. I didn't pay attention. I just assumed it was fucking like a mold of his head they did, but... <laughs> At any rate, they run and hide under Jenny's bed that Lars could never fit under. Right. And he does this whole, and like, 
his insides all suck in <laughs> and he rolls up under the bed and she's like, wow, that must be how you got out of the window. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, why don't you just do that all the time? <laughs> and he's Is like, that a fat joke? <laughs> great so uh as this is going on someone walks into the room and uh jenny convinced because they're in jenny's room jenny conveniently has handcuffs right <laughs> so they stand up to see the killer chained to the bed it's putman he's like what the hell are you doing because <laughs> the killer's coming he's right outside right and they're like lock the door and they're like the lock's broke <laughs> and putman tennis <laughs> give me the racket in the balls <laughs> And he tries to go all Andre Agassi on the killer. And one of the balls hits him in the junk and we hear a dink. <gasps> it's Machete Phil. <laughs> <laughs> so Jenny and Lars like hide in the, the shower and uh, you can hear Putman <laughs> dying. And he's just, <laughs> it's so bad. He's like, Oh, like this long drawn out process. And then a bloody towel gets thrown over the fucking rail. It goes on Lars's face. Yes. Oh, it's so good. But, uh, oh no, I fucked up when the killer's, uh, walking up, he throws the fucking machete through Putman's chest first. Yeah. And then Lars and Jenny take off and the rest. Um, so Jenny and Lars head to that night's party because I know I'm saying all this crazy shit, but while this is going on, they still haven't told the guests. Right. They're still trying to, to maintain the peace here. But at that night's party back inside, the killer fucking turns the house lights on to reveal all the victims strung up all over the fucking place. So, of course, now all the guests freak the fuck out. Uh, Juan and Penelope show up <laughs> and... uh. They end up taking off out from in there and see Sam getting thrown into a window in another room and they run in there and it's the mud room and there's these three mud pits. Suddenly like Goldilocks. Anyways, (laughs) so they're looking in the mud and they find dead Sam, but he springs to life and fucking grabs Lars from behind. Nobody ever suspects the fun police. I know, and his face is so crazy. <laughs> yeah, because you just see like the whites of his eyes and shit. But uh, he tells them it's all because <laughs> it's all because Pete gave the island to Dave. That's it. That's right. why has him so pissed off. Get off of me, you dickle son of a bitch. He's like, I do have a dick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I do want to say I like the scene with like Lars checking the mud pits. Yeah, good yeah. tension. And, and, yeah, and you're like, oh, what is it? And then he gets the one. He's like, Mm-mm. and then then he pops up behind him. Yeah, another good thing. Like, I'm just so surprised, and I I guess I shouldn't say this. It's kind of insulting, but like with the type of comedy movies that he usually makes, I'm actually or they make, I'm actually surprised with some of the little bits they do. Yeah. Like uh, in the party scene when the guy's doing like the shots off the slot of ice, and the blood goes down in his mouth and stuff. Yes, that was fucking awesome man yeah you you can tell that there this really was a love letter to the slasher genre but just from a full-blown comedic angle they they understood it it's so comedic but there is like the good tension moments and then sometimes i'm like that's fucking gnarly i never saw that in a slasher movie <laughs> it would have fit in prom night or something you know but then you get things like what a strange sucking sound <laughs> speaking of so Lars grabs Sam and makes him come. <laughs> yes. Ooh, uh, ooh. He's like, oh, he'll be orgasming for six minutes. Yeah, everybody run. And uh, 
they get back into it's like a little nightclub setup and where the interior party shots are. They end up back over there and in the wall there's a jacuzzi because they see people fucking in it earlier when Juan, right. Juan meets Penelope and she's like, oh my god, like uh, it looks like a a fish tank. Like if you're in yeah. the room, right, right. So they end up back in there and they see Sam drowning uh, Penelope in the wall jacuzzi thing, but Juan busts it open. They fall out. Sam springs back up only to be stabbed in the back by Lars, but it's a fucking slasher movie. They ain't stopping him yet. So they go outside and we get this nice wide shot of the guests have gone completely bonkers. Right. There's just boobs and sex and craziness and people swinging from trees. It is full on bonkers. Have sex with some of the guests. Hell, some of them don't look that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Bill's lines in that movie. I could have gone on and on. Yeah, he is so great. And I'm kind of, he's not in the movie a whole lot. And leading up to his death, like he just starts drinking more and more (laughs) and gets more and more crazy as the movie goes on when he has his little one-liners. But uh, of course, Sam comes out still alive, gives chase. And as the sun rises, Juan leads them to the cliff. From the opening of the movie. Right. Now, everyone, clean your assholes. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, if you don't, when you dive down, the water will go up your asshole and squish your insides. <laughs> Whatever the fuck he says. <laughs> so they all jump, and when they come back up, Jenny's like, oh, my asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but when Lars is in the water, he sees the other boat because they found the one with the busted prop. This one's been sunk, and they come up with the plan. Can we get that prop off of that boat and put it on the other boat and make an escape? So that's the plan. So Juan goes down there and gets it, and he pops up out of the water at the little dock with a slash across his chest. He got got underwater, but he brought the prop. Um, poor Juan. Poor Penelope. <laughs> and... uh. <laughs> He asked the girls to kiss before he, he's like, I don't remember what the setup is. He's like, can I have a kiss? And like Penelope's like leaning out to kiss. And like, I, I was thinking you two kiss each other. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> but he croaks. He doesn't get his kiss. And then Sam pops up out of the water. <laughs> yes. And he's fighting with Lars and uh, they get tangled up in rope while they're wrestling around on the boat. And Lars kicks him out of the boat and Jenny guns it. And they start circling the little dock thing and the ropes just keep wrapping tighter and tighter around Sam until it fucking rips him in half. The end. Nope. Torso Sam bursts out of the water and grabs Penelope. It's very uh, Friday the 13th. It is so Friday the 13th. When the little mongoloid Jason jumps out of the fucking water <laughs> and grabs her, you know? Is her name Jenny? Fuck. Or, or is that Friday the 13th part two? I, I feel like that's two. Um... It is. There's a podcast that did this history of the slasher genre that I bet if we go back and listen to that, we'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) Almost asked you who. (laughs) But Lars throws the torso off. And this time we actually get the end scrolling across as the boat drives off. And that's it. And I don't know if I did a good job on that. All I know is I laughed a whole lot. (laughs) My stomach and my jaws hurt. So, uh, I only question I really have about the movie. So were they like diehard slasher fans or like what made them go from super troopers to this, you know? Cause like when you look at super troopers and beer fest and like all that shit, like you can kind of see they're the same vein and this has some of the same dick and fart jokes, but 
I don't, it's a good slasher movie too. I have no idea. I just know watching the movie with the commentary, Jay is like every scene. This is from this horror movie. This is from that horror movie. See that in the background? That's because of this in this horror movie. Like, so obviously he's a huge slasher fan. Yeah. And I guess he just wanted to do one and get it out and get it behind him. And, and it's I a fucking know. shame. Cause like even me as a slasher fan and as a super troopers fan, I just kind of dismissed the movie after I saw it once as meh. Now I love it and it's going to go in regular rotation. <laughs> and so does this movie, and it didn't do very well monetarily, right? Well, considering it had a budget of 8.6 million and had a worldwide box office gross of 7.5 million. Mm. <laughs> but Did, I think it found its audience. On I was going to say, does it have like a cult following now? Oh yeah. I wonder how much that money was bill. I mean, that might be why I wasn't in the movie that much. Yeah, and the, they talk about on the commentary that uh, the resort that they actually shot at was actually uh, shut down for some reason, so that made everything easier. So I don't know right. where all the budget went. But uh, Jay's been cited as saying he thinks this is... Actually, some of the Broken Lizard guys have been cited as saying they think this is their funniest movie. This one, I put this above Beer Fest. I yeah. probably put it... I probably tie it with Super Troopers because there's towards the end, Super Troopers kind of gets the end of Super Troopers, like the final act, it does drop off a bit. It has that special place in my heart due to the like hundreds of times I've seen the fucking movie, you know, (laughs) which is funny because I was like never a stoner guy, but like that movie, I don't know. I just fucking get it. It's a lot of fun. Maybe I want you to pull over some more. I think, you know, I I could see this tying. Like, I don't, that is is not actually a surprise to me. I could see it tie Super Troopers if I maybe like gave it another watch or two. Yeah. And I don't have a hard on for the team because, you know, Puddle Cruisers and Slam and Salmon both were misses. Right. And even Beer Fest is only funny certain parts. Yeah. But to go from comedic fucking. I ain't going to try to do a fucking slick segue into this. This is the first fucking mockumentary we have ever had on the podcast, right? Yeah. And I don't know how I'm sitting down with balls this big to try to cover this movie. Cause as I was writing my notes for it, I was like, how the fuck am I going to cover like a documentary type movie that balances in between interviewing characters? And I don't know if I'm going to be able to fucking do it. Yeah. This is going to be a fun ride deep into tonight's recording session, but Jesse's going to do his best. And I'm not going to be helpful at all because I've only seen this movie twice. (laughs) This is 2014's What We Do in the Shadows. And it's actually funny because I was going to do Zombieland or What We Do in the Shadows. And I bounced back and forth over three weeks deciding. And I actually didn't pick until like seven hours ago. So there you go. That's the movie that was cited in my fucking Halloween Horror Nights notes. <laughs> well, we already had one zombie movie. So I was like, eh, between the two episodes. And I feel like I could stick Zombieland in a zombie episode and it not be out of place more than I could fit this movie into a vampire episode. And be like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, totally agree. This has to be stuck in a comedy episode. So good luck. Godspeed. Thank you. This is going to be a journey because there's not necessarily a plot in this movie and it's not necessarily cohesive. It just bounces between everybody. So bear with me. It's just there. So this movie was directed and written by both Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement. And I mean, Taika has gotten more and more famous recently since he's now like a Marvel director with Thor Ragnarok 
but his fucking shit's always funny. And Jermaine Clement, you know, fucking flight of the Concords and anything else you've seen him in. Traginus every time. Vagina what? <laughs> He's in some movie. I can't remember the name. It has Broncos in the name of it or something. And he's like a teacher in like a creative writing class, or he's a famous author. And they're talking about making like D and D characters, and they got like they all have shitty names. And he's like, I don't know what to name my character. I think it's an orc or something. He goes Traginus every time. <laughs> I gotta see this shit. Jermaine Clement can say anything, and it's funny. And uh, honestly. They're really the only two famous actors in the whole fucking thing. And we'll just cover it as we go. But before I get into their fucking masterpiece here, I want to cover some interesting little side notes I found. One, it took the two of them nine years to make this movie. And while they were making the movie, they kept noticing vampire movies and shows just getting shit out constantly. And they're like, oh, fuck, we were being original with the vampire movie. The market's getting flooded. What's going to happen? Because <laughs> if you think about when this came in, like, 04 to 2014, they were working on it. Jesus Christ. Think about how many vampires, you know what I mean? Like, that was the explosion. Is that, is that when Twilight happened? Yes. Thank you for reference here in a minute, too. They shot 125 hours of footage for this movie, which they edited down to 90 minutes, and it took a whole year to edit it. So technically, I guess I can't bitch about editing the show anymore because, you know, five and a half hours down to like three, eh, this is a lot worse. Has anyone talked to Guinness about this? (laughs) I don't know. They wrote 150 pages of script, and then they decided not to show it to anybody that was in the cast and crew. So only fucking Jermaine and Tyka saw it. They wanted everybody to be genuinely surprised as things happened in the movie. Okay. And they wanted them to improv almost the entire time. Now you see where the 125 hours came from. Yeah. It worked, though. I mean, this movie, it's, uh, there's been mockumentaries before, but this is, I don't know, there's a really unique feel to this. Maybe because it's a fucking New Zealand movie, not American-made movie, <laughs> and that gives it a slightly different feel. Okay, I was going to ask, th- this was legitimately... New Zealand, because with the whole mockumentary setup, I didn't even know if they just, fuck it, we'll say it was there. (laughs) So Taika and Jermaine are both Kiwis. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like even the hill where the werewolves are later in the movie, that's like, uh, that's where fucking Frodo and them are fighting the Dark Riders and Lord of the Rings (laughs) and all that shit. (laughs) And that's what I'm saying. It's like some of the actors might be famous in New Zealand, but. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't know them because they haven't done a lot of stuff here. Asshole Americans. When Jermaine and, and Tyka were trying to figure out how they wanted their characters to act, Jermaine wanted to base his character, which is Vlad, off of Gary Oldman's Dracula. And Tyka decided he'd base his character off his own mother. <laughs> what? He's just a funny guy. He has a movie. Oh, God, it just came out, or it's coming out. It's got Rabbit in the name, Jojo Rabbit or something. And he plays Hitler in it. And, and he's like, this is great. I'm a Polynesian Jew. <laughs> I'm playing Hitler and he's rolling over in his grave. He's just got like a good sense of humor. Okay. Out of the primary characters, I thought this was interesting. They wanted to like hit all the popular vampire tropes. Yeah. So Vlad is Gary Oldman's Dracula. Deacon is Bella Lugosi's Dracula. Viago is Lewis from Interview of the Vampire. And Nick is Edward Cullen from Twilight. Okay. Can you see that when you I, think about it? I can kind of see that. But uh, my last little interesting fact, this was the most pirated movie of 2014. Really? Yeah. I don't know where they got those fucking statistics from. That's what I was wondering. I mean, HBO would always brag about, like, last night's Game of Thrones is the most pirated TV show episode in history. So, yeah. I mean, I guess you just go to Pirate Bay and look at the hits. 
But the movie opens up and it says the New Zealand Documentary Board looks official as shit in a PBS kind of way from 1972. (laughs) And it pops up on screen and says every few years, a secret society in New Zealand gathers for a special event, the Unholy Masquerade. And Avenged Sevenfold starts playing. (laughs) In the months leading up to the ball, a documentary crew was granted full access to a small group of the society. Each crew member wore a crucifix and was granted protection by the subjects in the film. And this movie, it's a, it's a fucking mockumentary, documentary-style movie that just interviews people and bounces back and forth with very little plot and story. Yeah. So this is going to be fucking fascinating. So we open up at their flat where we see Viago, which is Taika Waititi, floating out of his coffin, Nosferatu-style. And it pops up and says he's 379 years old. Spring chicken. <laughs> He is when we meet some of the characters. He says that he wakes up at 6 p.m. every night, and this is the scariest part of his day, (laughs) as he tippy-toes up and peeks behind the curtain to make sure he's not going to burst in flames from the sunlight. Yes! Nighttime. Viago then goes around and starts waking up his flatmates to tell them that they have a flat meeting in the kitchen. This is all very real world. Yes, it is. (laughs) We find Deacon, and he's hanging upside down in his room, and... (laughs) Which is a closet. Yeah. It is a closet. You're right. And uh, Viago asks him, you know, did he have a good night? And he's, he's like, yes, I turned into a dog and had sex. I forgot about that. <laughs> he's just smiling like he's happy in a pig and shit. Then we go and Viago opens another door. We see Vlad like laying on the wall on like a bed of moving sheets with like a bunch of brides of Dracula, like in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes, it looks just like that. There's a lot of hissing and then the door slams and Vlad opens it and he's like, when's the meeting? And he tells him 10 minutes. He's like, I need 20. (laughs) And then we meet Peter who lives in the basement in a stone coffin and he looks just like fucking Nosferatu. They did a good job with this makeup shit. He was creepy as fuck looking. Yeah. And Fiaka scared of him and like very passive, like trying to, oh, do you know about this meeting? And he brought like a chicken to feed him and bri- bribe him with. And he's like, do you think you could clean up all your bodies on the floor? And it's like, oh, you scared me. But that's what he keeps doing. He keeps interrupting him with hisses. <laughs> Josh somehow just scared me. <laughs> He's he's right though. He keeps hissing at Viago, and he just kind of leaves him be and goes upstairs. But he leaves him the chicken. We meet up at the kitchen table. Vlad, Viago, and Deacon all sit down for the meeting, and they want to know where Peter is. And he's like, "Ah, oh, he's eight thousand years old. He's not getting up." He lets Deacon know that he's very cool, which he's glad to know that he's cool. But he's not pulling his weight with the flat chores. There's bloody dishes everywhere. They haven't cleaned him in five years, and. uh Vlad's a little embarrassed for when he brings people over and they remind him he's just bringing them to kill him. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. And they explain to us that Deacon is like the young and rebellious vampire out of the group. I guess that's why he gets a closet. Yeah. We cut to Deacon getting interviewed and he says he was selling his wares and he walked by a creepy old castle and like a giant creepy bat monster came out and attacked him. And, uh, it was screeching and it was Peter. Peter turned him into a vampire. He drank his blood, fed him his blood. And they're best friends to this day. And you see Peter like sitting in a rocking chair, like nodding. Like, yeah, yeah, he's my buddy. Because don't they, isn't it kind of like the shot of the dead thing is like, and this ugly bat thing comes yeah. down on me. And then you, then the, the cuts to the, the two shot. And it's like, oh, he's sitting there. He's like, and that was him. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime they show Peter and somebody says something, he just kind of like nods. He never talks. Yeah. Nods or hisses. That's the only modes <laughs> he's got. 
<laughs> we cut back to the table, and Viago tells Vlad that he's great at recycling, which is really cool. And he's like, yes, yes. And when I was dragging a dead body out, it blew all the dust out of the way. Did you notice how clean it was? It was like I was sweeping. <laughs> and we find out he's an older vampire, and he's a bit of a pervert. And he has old ideas about things like having slaves. <laughs> so then we go to interview Vlad. It's kind of like the confession room or something from a reality show when they do these. Yeah. It says he's 862 years old. He has a torture chamber. And he would, back in the day, he would poke people with sharp instruments. He was known as Vladislav the poker. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, almost and, Vlad the Impaler. Almost. Right. <laughs> And then we see Viago setting up like a chore wheel where I can spin it. And it's I just made out, it's made out of like construction paper <laughs> and just pinned into the wall. I just love the fact that it says like uh he he based this off of his mom. Makes it funnier when you yeah. think about it. But uh Vlad says that Viago's an eighteenth century dandy and he can be really whiny sometimes. And Deacon's like, he just nags and nags. And uh, he's like he kept bitching about me messing up his red couch. And he's like, it was a green couch. And he got blood under it. You should put towels down. And Vlad's like, we're vampires. We don't put down towels. Their fucking interactions with each other are just fantastic. Yeah. And with a lot of this supposed to be improv, it just fucking adds to it. But they say that with four vampires in one flat, there's a lot of high t- tension. And they float up in the air hissing. And that happens a lot in the movie where vampires just float up in the air and start fighting. They're like two house cats. <laughs> And they get broken up, and then we cut, you know, like fades, and we see that Deacon's now doing the dishes. This is bullshit. We get the opening credits. Jesus, just now? <laughs> yes, it's a pretty long opening scene. <laughs> no shit. It cuts through, and we see that the guys are doing house chores, and then we see pictures from, like, different periods of time, whether they're paintings, drawings, photographs, and, like, 70s hippie outfits. Other than uh, fucking Peter, he always looks like fucking Nosferatu. Yeah. <laughs> they're interviewing like I said it bounces between everybody it, it cuts to Vlad in a chair and he says he was 16 when he was turned and that's why he always looks 16 like this and he's like well times were tougher back then yeah because <laughs> he's clearly not 16 yeah he looks like he's like mid 30s <laughs> Viago's just sad about how vampires get a bad rap and Deacon explains how he was a Nazi <laughs> vampire and Nazis were not liked after the war Vampires were never liked, so Nazi vampires were hated, so he had to get the fuck out of Germany. <laughs> it's strongly hinted that most, if not all of them, are from Romania originally. Yeah. And they end up in New Zealand. But Viago was in love with a woman. I think her name was Catherine. And he wanted to come to New Zealand to marry her. And his servant, Philip, put the wrong postage on the coffin. And it made the trip take 18 months. And by the time he got to New Zealand, she was already married. And she had left him a silver locket with a picture on her. Unfortunately, silver hurts vampires. So he pulls it out with gloves and he puts it on every now and then and burns himself. Yeah, it's like smoking and shit. And he's like, I can only wear it for a short time. (laughs) It cuts to another night and they're going to go out into Wellington Central, which is like, I don't know if it's like a capital or what, but it's a city in New Zealand. I know that they have a show. I haven't seen it yet. It came came out in New Zealand originally, but it's called Wellington Paranormal. And it follows the two cops. From I think from this movie and them having to deal with paranormal shit. Okay. So I really want to see that. There's also, I, I didn't say it, there's a What We Do in the Shadows TV show that's ran and, and directed a lot by Jermaine. 
Yeah. And I, I hear it's fucking hilarious. I've only seen two clips and one of them was like the vampire trial and they had like blade and like this fucking Tilda Swinton, you know, and like just all these people from other vampire properties, which I don't know how they did it. I guess like parody law and fair use, but yeah, I want to see it. It is hilarious. And having the dynamic of one of the vampires being female is really fun. Yeah. But anyways, they're they're going out into Wellington Central, and it's important for them to look cool. But it's so hard to get dressed without a reflection, and you gotta look sexy and lure in your victims. And Vlad says he calls his look dead but delicious. <laughs> now, now when they're doing the whole getting dressed bit, why don't they just use Polaroids? I don't know. Why didn't they learn that from? Is it Clueless? I don't trust mirrors. I only use Polaroids. Mm. Anyways, uh, literally that came to mind I when I was like- watching it. I like how they sketch each other and yeah. show it. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, but they have trouble getting into bars to eat because you have to get invited. And you see him walking up to bouncers and like the bouncer will like, isn't stopping him from going in, but he's not inviting them either. Yeah. <laughs> and they're trying to trick him to get in. So they go to the only vampire owned bar in town, which is completely empty. Yeah. The place is a joke. And they're like <laughs> dancing by themselves. And we see Deacon talking to Jackie, and Jackie is Deacon's familiar, and she has to do whatever he says. He's giving her a food order, like a virgin and this and that, and she wants to know when she's going to get her part of the deal where he gives her eternal life, and he just blows her off. Yep. And a lot of the characters in this movie use their real names, like Jackie's name is Jackie in okay. real life. Uh, we see Viago, and even though they're supposed to be out, it like cuts to stuff at the flat still. But uh, he feels bad about having to drink blood and kill humans. So he, when he brings them home, he says he tries to make them have like the night of their life and have fun and hang out with them. And you see him hanging out with this girl and he's putting newspapers under while he's talking to her. Yeah. That reminds me of American Psycho. You listen to Huey Lewis in the news? You know? <laughs> and, uh, and he puts a bib on and he fucking bites her and he hits a main artery and just fucking starts spraying all over the room. Oh, like merman level. We cut to Vlad and we see him like walking outside of apartments or whatever, looking in windows. And he, he sees people watching TV and he keeps trying to hypnotize them, but they won't look at him. Yeah. So he can't do it. <laughs> and we find out that he was fucking amazing at hypnotizing people and shape shifting, but he had a humiliating defeat against his arch nemesis, the beast. And it's never been the same. Like his fucking <laughs> face when he transforms into animals and shit never changes and stuff. And he's like at this dude's window and he's like, see me, see me. And he starts fucking knocking on the window and the guy just turns around, doesn't hypnotize him for fuck all. He just opens the door and he's like, hey man, would you like to come in? Yeah. So I guess that's how he ate that night. We cut back to the flat and this is a great scene. And this movie, they said they took a lot of inspiration from Lost Boys. And this just kind of reminds me like the dinner, like a couple of parts of Lost Boys actually. Yeah. But uh, Jackie shows up at the flat and he's got food for Deacon. She has to bring people, and sometimes she has to go with people she knows, but she doesn't want to bring people that she likes. So she brought like this girl that was like the bitch to her in high school. I think her name was Josephine, and her ex-boyfriend, Nick, apparently from like kindergartners. Yeah. <laughs> they were both from far back. Deacon asks Nick if he's a virgin, and he says he's not. And uh, it cuts to why they like virgin blood. <laughs> and Deacon thinks they like virgin blood because it sounds cool, right? Because he's like a young vampire. And then it cuts to Vlad. And this is one of my favorite lines in the movie. I don't know how Jermaine Clement said this with a straight face, oh. but he's like, I like to think of it like this. If you were going to eat a sandwich, you would enjoy it more. If you had known no one had fucked it. 
He's got a point. Yes. I'd prefer my sandwiches to be unfucked. Yeah, I will make sure all my sandwiches are virgins from now on. But Josephine, I hope that's her name. She says she's not a virgin. And Jackie's like, I thought she was. Just look at her. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Nobody laughs in this movie. And it's so deadpan. Yeah. And like, I applaud all of them for it. Just one-liners alone in this movie knocks it kind of head in horror comedies to me. But uh, we see Viago come out being all polite, like normally dumps cans of like knockoff SpaghettiOs, right? And it's cold and not, you know, just dumps it straight on the plate. And uh, Deacon wants to show his favorite trick. And he's like, you can give cans of biscotti and ask people to eat it. And <laughs> he looks at Nick and he's like, do you like biscotti? Your biscotti is worms, which is obviously a throwback to, to Lost Boys. Yeah. And he said, he actually says, yeah, <laughs> I got this trick from Lost Boys, but I put a twist on it. How did it feel to have a snake for a penis? Nick's like, I'm out. <laughs> He's not cool with him turning his cock into a snake. So he tries to leave, but all the doors are locked. And Jackie's getting in a car and she's like, bye, because yep. she's already outside. And uh, he finds Viago eating Josephine on the table. And Vlad starts stalking Nick to the house. And then he finds Vlad in a room and he's a cat, but he still has Jermaine Clement's face on him and he's yeah. laughing. It's creepy as fuck. Yeah, that is weird shit. And then every corner he cuts, Viago's in front of him like a slasher, right? Stalking him. And uh, Deacon joins in on the chase. Nick almost gets away outside and he runs into Peter and just fucking hear blood splattering everywhere. Next day, you see Jackie like hosing him off the sidewalk. Yep. It cuts to two months later, and we're at the flat, and we see Deacon doing this fucking shitty dance. I don't know what it's supposed to be. And uh, Nick flies up to the window. He's a vampire now, and he explains how he sucks at flying, and it's really hard to master. And you find out that Peter turned him. So Peter's yeah. made Deacon and and Nick. So there's like they have a lot of tension, and I guess it's like brothers kind of, right? Like he's yeah. the new brother. They get mad at him, though, and they're like, we don't want to draw attention to us being vampires, and you're flying up to the window, and he's like, you got a fucking documentary crew following you everywhere. <laughs> but he tries to teach them a few modern things, and he says they're his new family. Nick introduces him to his friend, Stu, who's obviously human, and he doesn't know he's a vampire yet, but he says it sucks because he's my friend and I can't eat him. Yeah. He's my best mate. <laughs> Deacon's pissed, though, because he does not think Nick should have been turned into a vampire. He's such a dick. We cut to some bar called like Boogie Wonderland and it's an actual nightclub and it's packed with people and uh, Nick got him into it. So I guess they're, they're starting to warm up to him maybe except for Deacon. <laughs> yeah. We see the quartet walking the streets and Nick's telling him about all these other nightclubs and then they start sniffing around. And they're like, I smell werewolves. We're just about to walk past some werewolves so some shit might go down. They start making flea jokes and like making fun of them for sniffing each other's crotches. They're like, yes. we don't sniff each other's crotches. We sniff our own crotches. And, uh, but we'll, <laughs> we only do it as a way to say hello sometimes. <laughs> and they're like all like, um, like they're not really hippies, but they're all just like really proper calm guys. Yeah. They're, they're, they're fairly clean cut, proper, polite. <laughs> not what you would expect for a werewolf. Right. Yeah. And, uh, one of the werewolves calls Viago count Fagula. <laughs> And he's told by another werewolf that they're werewolves, not swearwolves. I fucking love that line. Yeah. Um, they almost get into a fight and then the werewolves leave, right? Because I guess it's not a full moon and they don't want to get their ass kicked. 
But they're doing the whole bit where they're like hissing and holding up the arm in front of the face. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like how randomly sometimes their faces shift like as vampires. They'll get like the crazy eyes and like a demon face for a second. And when, every time it happens, it's like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> we find out that Nick has stew over all the time. The funny thing about Stu, he was an actual businessman and IT guy in New Zealand, and they hired him under the pretenses that he was the IT guy, and they might make him pop up in a scene. They just stuck his ass in front of the camera? Yes, on purpose. <laughs> and he's supposed to be like an IT guy, and he's like always awkward and out of place, which works because he's a human hanging out with vampires all the time. Oh, that's great. But, uh... Nick tells Stu that he's a vampire and he hopes it doesn't hurt their friendship. Stu takes it pretty well, though, and he's like, I'd never eat my mate. Yeah, that's where it is. All the guys fucking love Stu. He looks delicious, but they agree not to eat him. <laughs> Even Peter. Peter's like, okay. He just nods, but but he works in IT and <laughs> fucking Deacon's randomly knitting shit all the time, like especially when he's mad, like even yeah. when they fight and he, he's making Stu a sweater. And it just kind of like time lapses, like everybody's spending time with Stu. He's teaching Viago karate. Uh, <laughs> when Nick asked Peter not to turn him, he's like, he's a vegetarian. I just think it'd be wrong to make him drink blood. <laughs> he shows Vlad a girl online. <laughs> and he's like, we could, I think they're on Tinder or something. He's like, we could look at her photos. We could even poke her. <laughs> and Vlad looks up at the camera like, what? Because he's, he's the poker. Vlad the poker. <laughs> He shows him. Uh, I didn't even catch that. He shows. What's, what else he do? He shows him uh, a sunrise on YouTube and picks up virgins online. He's like, <laughs> I can just search for him. I don't know how that one worked. And uh, they Skype Viago's old servant, Philip, who's now 90 years old. And he explains to him the postage error. And he's like, You're supposed to turn me into a vampire. I've wasted my whole life waiting on you. Yeah. Viago's like, We got a bad connection. And he hangs up. <laughs> oh. But that's I, that was like our, our buddy montage with Stu. Yeah. And uh, we see them out on the town again, and Nick's getting in trouble because they catch him telling a couple of people that he's a vampire. And foreshadowing. <laughs> they ask him how many people he's told. He's, he's like, uh, this girl and that girl. And then it just shows like a montage of him regularly telling people he's a vampire <laughs> everywhere. Like even in a, he's like in a convenience store, and the guy's like, I'm a vampire. I can transform. And he's like, <laughs> And he turns into like a demon thing and he's like, don't lie about transforming into shit. And uh, yeah, because it's like hardcore exorcism of Emily Rose fucking face. Shift. It was pretty creepy. <laughs> and uh, he walks past one guy. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm a vampire. And uh, the guy's like, I'm a vampire hunter. And he's like, ah, oh, get the fuck out of here, man. Email me or something. Yeah. I think he tells a girl that he's Edward from Twilight. <laughs> Somewhere in there. But Deacon gets pissed at Stu and they get into a fight in the streets. Ooh, best fight! <laughs> Somewhere in there, Stu's eating. I don't even, it just jumps around so fucking much. I hope I'm doing a good job on this. Nick's yeah. looking at Stu's fries and he, they try to do like your fries are worms and they're like, it doesn't work unless it already looks like worms. Yeah. And then fucking Nick eats one of them and he's just puking blood fucking everywhere. He's like, oh, you're going to regret that. <laughs> But Deacon shows up at Jackie's house and she has kids and she's trying to hide the kids from Deacon. And uh, he tells her that she was bumped on the list to get turned because of Nick. And she gets pissed. And she's like, if I had a dick, I would have been turned years ago. They like to bite each other on the dicks. Look at the fucking blouses they wear instead of shirts. Like she just goes on a rant. Yeah, because she's like, 
ironing or fucking folding their clothes while she's doing the rant. Almost any time they show her, she's doing that. Or she's at the yeah. dry cleaner and she's like, oh, my husband's a hemophiliac. Can you give <laughs> yeah. the blood out? Periodically, we see Viago stalking an elderly woman in a retirement home. And we find out that it's his lost love and he misses her and it's Catherine. And he wanted to kill her husband, but he was such a nice guy. He decided to be honorable and not do that to her. Yeah. But we see him take the photo of her that's in the silver locket and print it out blown up. Because Stu's like hooked them up with computers and scanners and printers and everything. And he like sticks at the lid of his coffin and closes his coffin to go to bed. And you just hear like the wood like... Like he's going to town on himself. But they all wake up to Peter screaming in the, I was going to say the middle of the night, but I guess it's the day. And they run down and open the basement door. Peter's on fire, just hissing and yelling. And he was hit by the sunlight and they're trying to put him out. And and Vlad's throwing water on him, but they're too late. They all get sad and pissed. And Vlad's like, turn the fucking camera off, right? When the camera cuts back on, they're in the basement. And they find the corpse of the vampire hunter that Nick told he was a vampire earlier. And they figure out that he broke in through the window and Peter was able to kill him. He like smashed him with the stone lid of the coffin. Yeah. But the window was already open. It was too late and the sun caught him. When Nick figures out he's in deep shit though, he tries to run off and Deacon chase him down and beats his ass. Uh, the guys are trying to like hold him back and shit though. Cause I guess they didn't want him to kill him, which you think they'd be more mad than that. Yeah. So they're fighting in the kitchen and like some of them are flying and like Vlad's holding on their legs and shit. And the police show up because of a disturbance with screeching sounds and smoke. They ask to take a look around the house. So Viago gives them a tour at their request and he hypnotizes them and says, you will not see anything weird here or something, right? Yeah. He straight up does the, these are not the droids you're looking for. He's like, you won't see anything out of the ordinary. (laughs) He's scared though, because he's not very good at hypnotizing and this could wear off at any second. (laughs) And uh, he's like, and I don't want the guys to kill the cops because if they come, more cops could come and possibly even Christians, which is not good. (laughs) And there's like a lot of tension because the cops keep spotting things, you think, and they point out just like stupid shit in the house. Like uh, they're in the kitchen and they turn the flashlight on to Deacon or Nick or whoever's floating in the corner. And they're like, would you look at that? Not a smoke detector in sight. We're going to have to cite you for this. (laughs) They go in the basement and they find the dead vampire hunter and they say it's their friend and he's drunk and passed out. And... (laughs) And there's just a couple more close calls where, like, this is a fire hazard, this is a trip hazard, and, yeah, and they leave. because they're like, oh, look at this, can of petrol right next to the electrical panel. <laughs> it's fucking, it's all so well done. Oh, yeah, the cop bit's great. Those are the two cops that I think are the Wellington Paranormal Show. Okay. But uh, we have the trial of Nick, <laughs> and they let him know that crime one was Nick bringing humans in. And they're like, never mind, Stu's cool. <laughs> Crime one. <laughs> you keep telling people you're a vampire. This led a hunter to our flat. Crime two. That hunter killed Peter. This should have been crime one. <laughs> and I think it's Viago talking the whole time. Everybody else just kind of backing him. Crime three. Deacon does not like that Nick wears the same jacket as him. And he needs to find his own style. <laughs> Yeah, because when they're out clubbing earlier, it's like, look at him. Look at him. He's even trying to dress like me. Oh, no, it's it's similar. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Vlad says that for these crimes, the council declares that he should be banished from the flat indefinitely. And there's a debate on how long that could be. Is that like 15 <laughs> minutes? Is that like 10 years? And they're like, forever. But Stu can come over anytime he wants. <laughs> Stu's like, thanks, guys. I love Stu. 
Um, they also told me us to do the procession of shame and everybody's like, Oh my God. And somebody, I think Viago is like, that might be a little too harsh. <laughs> then we cut outside to Nick standing in the yard and the guys walking around. I'm in a circle going shame, shame. <laughs> and they keep pointing at him and just, shame, shame, shame. <laughs> Doesn't seem that bad to me. But then Nick and Stu leave. It says several months later. And we're at the flat again, and they receive their invitations to the unholy masquerade. It says it's like from like the zombie this, the witches club of that, the vampires, blah, blah, blah. So like they're yeah. all there. Vlad talks about there being some badass banshees there <laughs> and whatever the <laughs> fuck, right? Vlad thinks he's going to be the guest of honor this year. Unfortunately, it's not. His arch nemesis LaForges. I mean the beast. <laughs> And it shows them trying on different costumes. Viago wants to go as Blade. Yes. <laughs> like, you can't go as Blade. He's a vampire killer. <laughs> and Flad is, like, depressed on the computer. And he looks like he's 900 fucking years old. Actually, I guess he is. I mean, he looks like Zachary Quinto and fucking Nosferatu, like, yeah. you know, before he starts feeding. I just thought he'd been stuck at the computer masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's just depressed. But yeah, he just straight up looks like shit. And he says he doesn't want to go to the masquerade. Just leave me to do my dark bidding on the internet. What are you bidding on? I'm bidding on the table. We cut to the unholy masquerade, and I wish I wrote down what it is, but it says something like blah, 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 bowling on the side of the building, like whatever the building actually was, and they just put the masquerade Yes. On. But they bump into Jackie, and they're like, humans aren't supposed to be here, and they find out that she's a vampire. And Nick turned her, because he knows her kindergarten boyfriend. <laughs> Stu's there. And uh, they ask if anybody wanted to eat him. And he's like, no. So like, I guess he's blending in. Everybody likes Stu. He's a good guy. But the beast is brought onto the stage. And this is where you're shocked a little bit. She's just a normal looking woman. She, I was expecting like this fucking demonic vampire. And you find out that she's Vlad's ex-girlfriend, Pauline. And they said a bad breakup, right? Yep. Everyone's saying they like Stu, even Pauline. But they find out he's a human. or pre-deceased is what a zombie asked him. Yes. And he must be killed. So all the vampires are trying to eat him, and they're encircling on him. And they're like, he could be a vampire hunter. And they're like, he's not a vampire hunter. Stu, tell him what you do for a living. <laughs> and he starts explaining like how he works in this mapping company, and he makes software, and blah, blah, blah. And Pauline's like, he must be a virgin. Yes. Because then another chick's like, oh, no, I could smell a virgin from a mile away. <laughs> right. And Vlad comes in in his, like, white pimp suit to stop them from eating stew and he's got like a masquerade mask on at first so you think maybe he still looks fucked up but he takes it off and he's normal <laughs> he calls pauline the beast she calls him the asshole and <laughs> and uh they get into a fight and her she says her lover but he's this fucked up looking zombie vampire half thing yeah starts to fight vlad and Stu fucking straight up stakes him with like a pole or something and uh, the crew's like we need to get the fuck out of here so they're walking down the streets of Wellington and they're trying to get away and they're all praising Stu for his badass move as they walk home and they find the werewolves, but the werewolves are like tra chaining themselves down the trees and like the main ones like bitching at people for not doing the chains too tight. This guy's got a combination lock. He's like, I lose my key. Why don't you have track pants on? They expand Tri when you shift. Try all zeros. Usually the factory is all zeros, but isn't <laughs> when they're after the killing though, isn't Vlad like, yeah, me and you really fucked that guy up. Didn't we Stu? <laughs> And then he's like, he goes, Stu and I killed him equally. So That's shit. what it is. But the full moon starts to come out. The vampire's like, we got to get the fuck out of here. And the werewolves start to shift, right? 
the vampire stew and the documentary crew, which I want to point out the documentary crew, a bunch of humans walking around in the masquerade also. Yeah. I'm, she I, does point out like, who's the camera crew following you, but they don't really address the human thing. I just, ah, here nor there. This movie's too funny to fucking <laughs> nitpick the little shit. They're all making a run for it. And the werewolves are jumping them everywhere. And the vampires are just trying to fly off and the werewolves are hanging on their legs. But the cameraman gets fucking mauled. Yeah. Right. In front of his own camera. And they get stew. Fucking Stu's getting mauled by the wolves. They're slinging them back and forth. It's fucking terrible. And Nick wants to save him. But like, we got to get out of here, dude. So they leave. The werewolf makeup is terrible, too. And I'm just, it is. The four shots are okay. Yeah. Right. Because however they did it, like, but I mean, I'm assuming there wasn't much money. I mean, they had to Kickstarter to get it out of New Zealand. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's the only fault I can give it. And you're right. The wide shots, it's like, that one looks cool. Yeah. When you can just Let's do a see that one closer. Yeah. Uh, we always say werewolves are hard to do anyway. So, you know, indie yeah. mockumentary, what can you do? But uh, we see Deacon finally having a heart to heart with Nick and being nice to him since he lost his best friend. And he's like, you know, you don't want to see your fucking friends that are human and family get old, pissing and shit on themselves <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. Stu probably went the way he wanted to go, getting his head bashed into a tree and his guts ripped out <laughs> and his blood spread. I don't know exactly what he's saying, but something to that effect. Yeah. Doesn't look like it's helping Nick that much. No. We see the police and paramedics have shown up. <laughs> they're talking about this dog attack because there's like a dead cameraman and Stu on the ground. They're like, this happens every month. We got to put a stop to this. And yeah. the one up walks up with like a fucking border collie or something. They're like, this is the beast here. It's just a stray dog. They're like, we're going to put him down and take care of this. Oh, God. poor puppy. But we cut back to the flat one last time. We see the guys out and about. They're all depressed over the loss of Stu. And one night they wake up to a voicemail from Nick. And he says he's got a big surprise for all of them. He shows up at the house and he has Stu who's clawed across the face with his new friends who are all the werewolf guys. Yep. We find out that he survived the attack, turned, ran in the woods, woke up in the daytime, clueless with a bunch of naked werewolves and they gave him some pants. <laughs> And uh, they're like, okay, come on, werewolves, we'll give you a tour of the house. Please don't, uh, don't lick anything or pee on anything. <laughs> but Stu's now united the vampires and the werewolves, and Viago's turned Catherine's 96-year-old ass, and they can be together forever. And she loves being a vampire. <laughs> and that's the end of the fucking movie. Oh, it really is. It's like... <laughs> it's almost like it doesn't have a beginning and an end. It's like... This is three spread out over time. It's like, here's three nights with some vampires. <laughs> it really is. And I hope I did the movie justice. If you haven't seen it, you got to see it. It's just, it's fucking great. It's a little short, you know, hour and 25 minute, just blast. You just kind of, it, it blows through. Like there's, yeah, but the director's like cuts over a hundred hours. <laughs> 125 apparently. <laughs> It's the first thing I had seen directed by Taika Waititi or Jermaine Clement. I mean, other than, I guess he probably did Flight of the Concord, so I probably saw that. Um, okay. But when when Thor Ragnarok was announced and it said Taika Waititi was making it, I was like, the what we do with the shadows guy? <laughs> and he's in every movie he makes, as far as I know. Have you seen Thor Ragnarok? I still haven't seen any of um, his Marvel movies, except so, for Doctor Strange. Thor Ragnarok's one of them you could probably just watch by itself. It's fucking hilarious. It does tie in to like some of the greater plot, but it, okay. it's really funny. But even then, there's like a rock alien, and it's fucking Taika Waititi. And, you know, you can tell because the Kiwi accent. And it's like, <laughs> I'm cold. This is Meek. We're going to start a revolution. 
and he just says like random lines and uh they go a step further in endgame but that's a little too new to talk about but no it it was a fucking fun movie and this one was on the borderline of me you know not wanting to do parodies because it really it's the least horror there is quite a bit of blood and stuff in the scenes where they need it but (laughs) it might even be one of the funnier movies it is. There's there's like zero spots in this movie where I can say there's tension. Because yeah, all the other movies, <laughs> like since it doesn't have a plot and it's mockumentary style, it's almost just like an hour and a half long comedy skit. Yeah. Uh, die laughing the whole time. And <laughs> their accents, and I'm not talking about like their New Zealand accents, I'm just talking like their vampire accents and stuff, just really makes their fucking... Your dick is cool, bro. <laughs> it's just like, what's happening right now? And... uh like I said, to me, this is the funniest movie out of the six we chose for the two episodes, just because of the, the nature of the way it was set up. Some of the jokes, I ain't going to lie, because it, it for some of them, for me, it's like it takes too long to get to the next joke. <laughs> um, but yeah, Spawn the TV show, which, like I said, I've watched that and it's I think it's hilarious. So you said you like the TV show more than the movie? I think so. It, it's just because it's put to, it's put together better. Just th- there is plot. They had money. Yeah. And there's a plot. Yeah. Once again, it was, it was one of the movies that I think would have been fun if Josh and I could have saw it together. Yeah. It didn't happen. However, our next movie, we wore out into the fucking ground. 1999 Idle Hands. So I don't recall seeing this in theaters. Did I, you not? I don't remember. It came out when I worked at the Dirty Dozen. Yeah. And like, this is one of the posters when our fucking room was covered in posters from working in the theater. But I, I watched the shit out of this one at theater. I just thought maybe you saw it with me. I don't, I honestly don't remember. I just remember seeing it a lot. And I do have to point out, which we don't always make it about this, <laughs> but this movie fucking bombed. I mean, bombed bad. $25 million budget made back Four million worldwide, <laughs> but this is one of those that definitely found its audience on video, um, or at least I think so. People that I talk to that have seen the movie love it. I can see why it was a niche audience, though. It was a niche audience at the time, which I really, I mean, as a horror fan, I feel like it hits like all the nails on the head. But everything I've read said that like home market, like you said, it became a fucking cult favorite, which is why Devin Sola says he's trying to get a sequel made right now. I just don't know what that kind of numbers on the money, if you can do that, unless they just go off of the current popularity. Yeah, I don't know what what it would be seeing uh, Anton 20 years later when I saw him from a movie from like five years ago and it looks like it's already 40 years later. Ooh. I mean, it, he just... It, Devin Sowell looked rough, but... Uh, Does he look like his SLC punk character? <laughs> no. he look, Well, maybe if we saw that character 20 years later. But uh, really, I, I didn't think about it, but he was also in Final Destination, so he did a little run of horror movies there for a while. Good ones. Yeah. Original ones. Yeah. And uh, that's the thing, because a lot of people are like, oh, Devin Sowell, the kid from Final Destination. Of course, you and me, it's like... The kid from SLC Punk who had too much acid in his pocket. <laughs> Honestly, this is the first movie that usually comes to mind, though. It really is because it, he he sticks out more so in this as a lead actor than he does in uh, Final Destination. But uh, it was directed by Robin Flinder, and he did a crap ton of TV. He did Leprechaun 2. You're not impressing me right now. I know, right? Um, it was written by Terry Hughes, Terry Hughes Burton, but I think it was under a different name. Um, and Ron Milbauer, which I didn't see anything of note for them. Just a bunch of TV. 
Which is really crazy to me that you have like this and Tucker and Dale, which have such huge cult cult followings and are really well-made movies and are fucking hilarious and a great blend of horror and comedy. And they're made by people who like never really did anything and didn't continue to do anything. What the fuck happened? I don't know. I don't know if there, we run into some of these movie makers that this was supposed to be the, Hey, let's do a cheap horror film. And that'll be my break into the mainstream. And it didn't work. Like in this case, you could see that it's like, Oh, you lost the studio $19 million. <laughs> You'll never work in this uh, town again. Tw- they lost him $21 million. <laughs> Fuck my math. This goes in the concussion list. <laughs> this goes in the, it's like one o'clock in the morning. We've been doing this for eight hours list. <laughs> we've not been doing this for eight hours. Never mind. We're getting close. But we've got Devin Sawa as Anton. Seth motherfucking Green as Mick, who I know he always gets... He's always the co- the the comedic relief. He's always the sidekick, but uh, he's played other freaking characters that are sidekicks. <laughs> Not always. I always think of him from Buffy. Yeah, sidekick. And who's sidekick? Everybody's. Come he's, on, he's their pet dog. And uh, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> an airborne. I always think of him an airborne. Oh no, no, we don't talk about airborne. <laughs> Um, no, I actually, I like this character odds and Buffy, but I mean, he's yes. still, I mean, everybody was Buffy sidekick until Willow got powerful. And then everybody was Willow's sidekick. <laughs> this is true. Dark Willow. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Eldon Henson as Penub. Has he ever been in anything else? He's fucking foggy Nelson on the daredevil show on Netflix. Never seen it. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's been in other stuff too, but that's like his most recent thing. And he was fantastic as it. Okay. We've got Jessica Alba as Molly. We've got Vivica A. Fox as Debbie Liquor. That's liqueur. Honestly, she has some of the worst lines in the movie, or they're delivered the the worst, which is sad because she's like the most established actor in the in the film. And that's the thing. W- w- fuck it. We'll get into it now. She's not a bad actress. Like, no. Like no. You, you said, she was well established. I think... She tried so hard to be so serious in the role that she overshot it. It also could be one of those. She was a more expensive part of the budget and they just had to get her in and out quick. Like Donald <laughs> Pleasance and like fucking Halloween. Like we got him for three days. No, we're keeping that clock's ticking. <laughs> uh, I wish I can't think of his name. I can't think of his character's name or the actor's name, but the, the devil worshiping metal guy, Randy, Randy. Yeah. Like, uh, did you ever see dead at 21 on MTV? No, uh, that was the first thing I ever saw him in. And I always think of him from that. It was a cool okay. TV show. It's like a bunch of kids that were all raised in some facility and they're separated and they're all like mysteriously dying at 21 from some experiments. And he's trying to like hunt down the government agency. It was pretty cool, but I saw him in that. Huh. I saw him in this. I want to say he's in the Brady Bunch movie. And then I never saw him anything <laughs> again, which sucks because I like the guy. Yeah. We open with Anton's parents going to bed, Anton, Tobias, and mom and dad are just mom and dad, Tobias. Right. Uh, they don't have first dates. Uh, they turn off the lights and they see I'm under the bed painted in like glow in the dark paint on the ceiling. <laughs> yes. Of course, mom freaks the fuck out. Dad starts looking around. He sees nothing under the bed, but then they hear something break downstairs. So dad goes to investigate. Slasher movie. <laughs> <laughs> and this is really at its core. This is a slasher movie. Yes. Through and through. Um, with just with a lot of comedy. Um, it's definitely slasher first comedy. I don't know. Maybe it's balanced. I don't know. But, uh, so dad goes to investigate. 
and uh, mom gets a jump scare from Bones the cat being thrown on the bed. Another one of those like reanimator where like this cat did not jump on the bed. You right. can tell someone threw this cat. Um, and we hear a struggle downstairs and uh, mom gets up to go investigate and uh, she ends up tripping over the flashlight that dad had carried down there and she lands in blood. So she freaks out. She runs upstairs and she's calling for Anton this whole time. And uh, as a matter of fact, when she's going downstairs, she pulls down the attic stairs and yells up there because we're going to find out later that's his quote unquote bedroom. Big ass house. Why does he live in the attic? But anyways, um, he's a rebel, man. <laughs> he's something. It's easier for him to smoke pot up there and his parents not smell it. Touche. Um, but she makes it back to the bed and she tries to call 911. And while she's trying to dial 911, the fucking phone gets ripped out of her hands. I love that part. And then she gets yanked under the bed. And then the bed like does this one slam down with this huge splat of blood and then just starts shaking. Thematically makes no sense with the rest of the movie, but I love it. <laughs> and we get this awkward sideways tilt of the camera back up towards the ceiling. And then we dissolve into the attic and the reverse of the same thing back down. We're in the attic and there's Anton and uh, we see him go downstairs and it's quickly obvious that he's a lazy fucker, which his dad alluded to in the opening scene where he's like, Anton wouldn't scoot his butt off the couch if the house were on fire or something like that. And uh, this is made very clear with what Anton says when he sees shit that's needed downstairs. Hey mom, we're out of milk. Mom, we're out of dog so Anton smokes some weed and uh, I guess he doesn't care about the weed bit because he just burns a bunch of sticks of incense in the living room and starts smoking. Yeah, but that's because they're not there. He don't know that yet because he was just yelling at him. Oh, that's right. But uh, and his little he's got an inhaler and uh, the inhaler pipe rig supposedly actually was fully functional. Okay. For them to smoke dried tea leaves because that's what they used. Um, Quick pot thing. <laughs> uh, pot? Kevin in the woods. For fucking Marty, they like brought people in to teach him how to light bongs properly and roll joints and he had to practice for like hours on hand and shit just so he could fucking oh, yeah. properly do it. Random fact that threw out there. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, while he's sitting there smoking some weed with the news on in the background, we hear that there's a killer on the loose. <laughs> and uh, he quickly realizes that he runs out of weed. So he walks across the street, pantsless, to see Penub and Mick. And uh, this is when we get to see Randy working on his truck, the Ford. <laughs> so he gets over there and uh, he's like, I need some weed, man. It's like you said you were holding. And Penob's like, I didn't say what I was holding and grabs his nuts. <laughs> but he gives Anton an idea. I hear if you combine nutmeg and oregano, you can get pretty wasted. He was saying something about like, man, Anton shouldn't. The, the guys are like, Anton, shouldn't you get your shit together? And it's like, no, I, I, I think about the dream, man. And dream life would just be laying around while some hot broad brings me food and shit. And one of the guys is like, yeah, until your mom kicks your oily ass out. <laughs> and he's like, you know, I haven't seen my parents in a couple of days. <laughs> so we get the setup there. And uh, the guys start talking more about the killer that's on loose. And it's like. Didn't you hear about the Felstein twins? He's like, what, they get caught jerking off in the milkshake maker again? He's like, no, ice times two. And uh, so this is setting up stuff for later. But uh, outside, Anton sees Molly on her bike out the window. And uh, he's been pining over her for years is what we find out over all the shit. And the guys are like, why don't you ask her to the dance? There's a curfew in effect. And that's the only thing to do. It was 1999. I was pining after her as well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Anton sees that she drops her lyrics book because, you know, she's a cool chick. She writes lyrics. She plays bass. She rides a motorcycle. She's hot. 
As you know, all bass players are badass. <laughs> so uh, Mick says he should take her lyrics book uh, back over to her and, and be her knight in shiny armor, followed by Penub. And she ripped your clothes off and make sweet love to you, Red Shoe Diary style. So he takes it over to her and he's looking in the book first and it's like ransom letter fucking style right. lyrics. Key point though, he had to borrow pants. Yes. Yeah. He, he was like, you want some pants there, chief? <laughs> um, but she comes to the door and she thanks him, but he doesn't have the balls to stay and talk to her. So he takes off. So um, we cut to sister liquor. That's liqueur, <laughs> which is Debbie. <laughs> and she's out of jail and she sees this crazed looking dude with what's left of his hand. And she leaves and she's like, damn, missed it again. And she's like ripping off her nun fucking costume and gets into an airstream. Habit. It's called a habit. A habit? That's the name of a nun outfit. Like a bad habit? It's just called a habit. I just wanted to teach you a new word today. I tried to educate you, Josh. <laughs> the more Josh knows, the less he retains. But uh, she gets into her airstream, which was supposed to be a Winnebago, but it was decided that a Winnebago is too fucking cliche. Let's do something nobody ever does and put her in a damn aluminum airstream. She uh, could travel so much better, though, with a flying Winnebago. <laughs> with the space balls, watch out. Um, so she goes in and she's like checking her notes and looking at the map. And she's like, this happened here. This happened here. Oh, my God. And she draws a pentagram that almost lines up with the marks on the map. That's I, always bothered me. I could have drawn anything out of those <laughs> pants. Like. It was like a fucking inkblot test. But uh, we cut back to Anton, who's taken some fucking responsibility. And he stole a shopping cart, and he stole dog food, and he stole uh, milk. And he's taking it all back home. I don't know if he stole it. We just see him with the shopping cart with the shit in it. And uh, he's confronted by these two cops, one of which, who I should have wrote his name down, because he's What's-His-Nuts from People Under the Stairs. Now, if you yep. don't remember What's-His-Nuts, he's the white guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I think he's also one of the McDoyles in fucking Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I'd have to check. He's in a bunch of shit, though. He is. He has a very unique face and uh, the quote-unquote newer guy on uh, the progressive insurance commercials. Every time I see him, I'm like, hey, that's that. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen him some shit. Like, sometimes he's just, like a goofy side character, and sometimes he can act. It was always kind of interesting. I feel like, uh, unfortunately, maybe his appearance halted his career. But uh, he gets confronted by two cops. And we find out they're the dorks from high school. It's like, how come you never invited us to go get high behind the bleachers and shit? And there is a cut joke here where he refers to him as the head and the ass of the school mascot. Go, go, Buffalo. Right. And uh, so they search him. They can't cite him for anything except for his empty baggie. <gasps> Littering. So they write him a ticket. He takes the citation home and rolls up. The concoction. I love before that though. I love when they're frisking him and he's like, he's not even my fucking pants, man. And they grab the inhaler and he's like, what the fuck is this? He's like, it's an inhaler. Yeah. Oh. So uh, while he's rolling up the nutmeg and oregano combo, um, he hears a noise and I fucking love this because he turns off the TV and then very quickly we all hear. And it's the dog and he just grabs the dog's nose and the dog's tongue is still hanging out. The dog's eyeballs go wide and shit. That dog, Duke, I forget the real name of the dog, is the same dog that gets high and talks in Road Trip. Okay. Yes. Wish I could remember the dog's actual name. 
But at any rate, um, so he goes to investigate and he does the kind of shit that I know me and you and hundreds of other people have probably done. He's fucking pushing the dog like around <laughs> corners first. This dog is so well behaved. <laughs> he is, man. So the fucking combo joint does not work. It's fucking disgusting. He goes running to the sink and he's like washing his mouth out, spraying soap in his mouth. All of this was in the heat of the moment, all Devin Sawa. Right, right. He said, wash out your mouth. And he's like, (laughs) with the soap and shit. So he decides he's going to make himself a sandwich and he's watching like MTV or something and he never looks down and he's making this bologna sandwich and we see the knife's fucking covered in blood. And so he's putting the blood all over the fucking sandwich, slaps it together, takes a bite of it, and then sticks the knife back in the mayonnaise. And that's when he sees that it's covered in fucking blood and throws that shit. And uh, he looks down and he sees Bones the cat playing with a fucking eyeball. Right. This is when he grabs Duke the dog and uh, like hugs him in the floor. This is when the dog's eyes go all big, not when he grabs his nose. I really fucked this up. Uh, so he then investigates by pushing Duke around the house, like around corners and shit like we would. <laughs> They see the shadow of somebody at the door and fucking take off upstairs and under the covers. But the doorbell rings and uh, Anton pokes his head out and he sees the message on the ceiling. So it's like, fuck, somebody's under the bed. Fucking runs downstairs. Well, he runs downstairs and trips over the broom that I think he was walking around with when he was pushing the dog around and falls right into this really fucking cool setup of like the the farmer couple picture, only they've got jack-o'-lantern heads right. that we saw in the opening of the movie because the house is decked out for Halloween. Probably should have mentioned that sooner. Um, but as the, the fucking bodies hit the floor, the fucking pumpkins burst and it's mom and dad Tobias dead as shit. And I think it's mom's missing the eyeball, if I remember right. And they look great as far as makeup goes. So he runs outside and pukes in the bushes and he runs into Mick and Penub. <laughs> and he brings them in and he's like, guys, look at this shit. And <laughs> pop the coochies playing on the fucking TV. And the guys <laughs> are both like, oh, holy shit. And they start dancing like, yeah, man, I didn't think they could show this anymore. He's like, no, my fucking parents are dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And as soon as they fucking notice, Penub runs over and he starts beating on dad's chest. What the fuck are you doing, man? That's my dad. Come on. CPR, man. I saw him on Baywatch. He's punching the <laughs> shit out of him, too. Yes. He finds a clue in mom's hand. And they see ant written in blood. <laughs> they were killed by ants. Do you have, like, an evil ant? <laughs> and they see Dude, how did I miss all that? So uh, they see the earrings in the floor because there was a bag from Burger Jungle that got knocked over when they came in. And you see onion rings fall out along with some ears, but they don't see any of this, just us. So now this has been spotted. They're all starting to freak out. Mick then matches up the piece of material with Anton's torn shirt. And uh, it's like, the killer was wearing your shirt. (laughs) Anton (laughs) sees the glow on his hands that matches the shit on the ceiling. It's like, the killer was wearing me. I'm the killer. And of course, Penub's like, I need weed. And uh, Mick's walking back and forth. I need to call 911. What's the number? <laughs> a lot of the one-liners are great in this movie. Like somewhere, I, I've used this one for fucking 20 years now. The Don't you watch the news? No, I hate that show. Yes. <laughs> fucking, like just any other little one-off lines are great. Oh, but uh, real quickly, this is when Anton's hand starts acting a little frisky purpose driven and he's uh going towards mick and mick's like you're cool man you're cool and his hands like slamming the refrigerator at him and shit and all of a sudden off camera we hear i think we see the bottle break on the refrigerator and then off camera we hear the stab (laughs) 
and what it is. And I love this shit because he stabbed uh, Mick in the forehead with the top of the beer bottle with the lid still on. And there's like a little bit of liquid in it. And this shit stuck there the rest of the movie. And you can hear it sloshing around and shit all the time. <laughs> yeah. So he drops down on the floor dead, but don't worry. He'll be back. Um, <laughs> and uh, they're blaming the combo. And it's like, I can't believe you smoked that shit. man. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and um, Penub takes off downstairs into the basement. Anton's hand gives chase because it's like leading him is the best way for me to say this. And uh, he goes trying to stab at him downstairs. Penub starts going back upstairs and Anton turns around and throws a fucking saw blade. And uh, it's like, everything will be. And the fucking blade goes through Penub's neck and he's like, cool. And uh, body collapses and the head falls down at his feet. And uh, honestly, that's the only bad special effect shot to me in the movie because it's CGI. CGI. Yeah, it's pretty weak there. The practical effects are great in the entire film. Yes. And I'm I'm guessing maybe that's where a lot of this budget went, because in the commentary, they say that that's all an animatronic head, the Penub head later when it's talking. It was. I I wish I still had it. I used to have the Fangoria magazine uh, when this movie came out. Okay. And it went really deep in the special effects. It's all found out the offspring around the movie and shit. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, they, they really did go all out, all out on the special effects. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a large hunk of the budget. Because especially if they got a, uh, not like a big crew that's used to doing it, then you got lots of trial and error involved. Yeah. But uh, Anton goes back upstairs and sits down on the couch because that's where he's comfortable. And he starts battling his hand for the fucking remote. And they battle back and forth. Uh, through some channels and the hands like twitching and shit and bones. The cat comes up and is like, Oh fingers, you must want to play. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so the hand grabs him, twirls him around by his fucking tail, slings him out the window all the way across the street and into the bushes. I don't condone animal cruelty in any way, but that shit is fucking funny. <laughs> the shot's done very it's, well. <laughs> so good. And, and the way that, Devin saw and manages to deadpan all these scenes. And I mean, honestly, the acting of making the hand do the crazy shit while his body does the rest, it's just all fucking great. Well, it's good. It's no fucking Bruce Campbell. I think it's different. It's different, but it's still not as good. And what pisses me off, even through the commentary, no one mentions anything about Ash or Evil Dead or anything about Oh, this is the first time anyone's ever done a fucking possessed hand getting crazy and having to be chopped off. There's, there's, I don't know if they were just out of touch or didn't want to say it. Cause like they got halfway through the movie and somebody's like, Hey, have you ever seen evil dead? And they're like, no, <laughs> I mean, it's like when they interview the guys that made fucking bright burn and they bring up Superman, they're like, who's that? <laughs> like they do that on purpose. Yeah. That, yeah. That's on purpose. <laughs> but, uh, Anton goes over to Molly's and starts looking around in her bushes for bones. But the hand has other ideas. And he drags him up on the porch and he rings the doorbell. <laughs> Molly comes out and Anton says, I was looking for my cat. We got in a fight. <laughs> and Molly's like, well, you sure got your ass kicked. But uh, she's digging the new confident Anton and brings him into her room. And uh, the hand grabs her ass and she's like, that's it. I'm down to fuck. And, uh, you know, I never noticed until I watched it this time that they banged. Yeah. Cause they start making out and it just fades. Right. But like he pulls his pants up and uh-huh. shit. So, and uh, so they're on the bed and he like ties his hand to the fucking bed to keep it from being in the way and shit. And she's all like, Ooh, you're kinky. I know. 
<laughs> so uh, after they get done or no, the, the parents pull up and she's like, you better go. And uh, he's like, oh, and she's like, yeah, I don't think my parents would like some bloody boy banging their daughter. <laughs> right. <laughs> but they agree to go to the dance later. So uh, Anton heads home and buries the dead. Mick and Penub. But they come back. And his parents. Oh, yeah. The parents don't come back. But Mick and Penub come back. <laughs> Why do only they come back? Uh, they, they explain that they were walking towards the light. And they're like, oh, we heard the music. Yes. It was boring and it sucked. So it was, we came back. It was like, it was like really fucking far. <laughs> yeah, that's what he says. So his parents just moved on to the afterlife. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, so as they come up, Penub smacks Anton with the shovel. We cut to Anton waking up and going, cool, it was all a dream. And he heads downstairs, and he sees the duo watching TV. That's what Mick and Penub will be for the rest of the movie. Well, he sees Mick, and he can hear Penub talking. Yeah. And uh, when he cuts around the corner, he sees the undead truth, and that's Mick is throwing cheesy poofs into Penub's severed head. <laughs> and I think the body's wandering around in the kitchen. It is, and like <laughs> dumping cereal onto the nub and shit, trying to eat it. <laughs> and uh, Anton ends up saying it's not him. Uh, it's his hand. And uh, they need to go to the guy who knows about Satan because his hand's obviously evil. Well, the guy who knows about Satan is Randy. So we cut to the Jungle Burger and Randy's hitting on this girl. Because it's like a, it's a vigil for the dead yes. twins, right? And he's like acting like he knew them. And if you pause it, you'll see the note that's there where their picture is and everything that says something like thousands of milkshakes served with a smile. <laughs> And uh, so Randy's sitting on this girl that's crying and uh, she's torn up about it. She's like, she thought the twins were tards because they asked her to go on a double date. And there's only one of me. <laughs> and I told them to go blow each other. And Randy's like, well, did they? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but uh, Anton goes inside to the drive through window and tells Tom DeLong to fuck off. And uh, okay, he just tells him break time. But it is Tom DeLong. And this is like around the time of like the American Pie cameos and shit, was it not? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, I think 99 is when American Pie came out. Okay. And um, Randy ends up pulling through the drive thru and Anton's uh, asking him about the devil and shit. And he's like, dude, it's just music. But idle hands are the devil's playground. So he goes home and takes up knitting because <laughs> you got to keep that hand busy. And I think this is when. White zombie, Rob Zombie, whatever. I think it's when he's watching. I don't remember. But uh, and of course he's got the duo with him still. But the cops show up due to the noise, and uh, they're just <laughs> standing there talking, blah blah blah, yada yada yada. And uh, Anton just pops up and he's just frantically knitting, and uh, he's like, "What do I do, guys?" And Penub starts to say, "Well, I think." And the cops like, "Ah!" <laughs> Shoots, the fucking Shoots head. him in the head, and he's like. Well, I was going to say, I think you should do what the officer said, but never mind. <laughs> and uh, Anton says, cuff me, put me in jail. That way I won't be able to hurt anyone. And they keep telling him, drop the needles, drop the needles. And the hands finally had enough and takes one of the needles and stabs one cop in one ear and out the other, grabs his taser, tases the other cop in the fucking face. I'm taser face. <laughs> and they f taser face. <laughs> So we're going into the galaxy too. Oh, okay. And the two cops fall to the ground and what was written into the script was in the classic 69 position. <laughs> That's how they fall. And of course we hear Penub go, go, go Buffalo. <laughs> Which I always loved the line, even though the context was deleted and I had no fucking clue. It was random. It was just hilarious. Yeah. I say that. The, I get the weirdest looks from people when I say, go, go Buffalo and happy scrappy. <laughs> 
had to explain happy scrappy to somebody at work today. Anyways, <laughs> so off with the hand. <laughs> <laughs> Anton tries to cut his hand off with the bagel guillotine. But that thing doesn't even cut my bagels. <laughs> exactly. And um, <laughs> so Mick goes, or uh, Anton sends Mick for the electric carver. Um, <laughs> but Mick starts playing with it. <laughs> oh, look at me! Look at me! I'm Leatherface. And unplugs it. That is a line that I say. All the time, and that's where I get weird looks. But my favorite is like anytime I was streaming Dead by Daylight and I was playing Hillbilly or or Leatherface, and I had the chainsaw. And I, Look at me, I'm Leatherface. I don't know that line stuck with me more than any line in the movie. Oh, but finally, and now Penub's severed head is set on the table while this is going on. By the way, and uh, finally Anton's like, "Open your mouth," and he sticks the hand into Penub's mouth so he can bite down on it and hacks it off with a cleaver. And uh, I think Mick grabs an iron and cauterizes the, the wound. He's like, don't you watch ER or some shit yeah. like that? I don't know why the iron's on. This is me. Odd sticking points. But anyways. So. Uh, I never thought about it being odd until you just said that. So the duo leaves for antiseptic and burritos. <laughs> and Anton sees bad move Anton written in blood on the floor. So Molly comes to the door to pick up Anton for the dance. While he gremlins the hand in the microwave. <laughs> yes. Because it's like following around and like on the ceiling and stuff. And he grabs it, manages to get it in the microwave. And uh, so the two of them leave out the front door while the duo comes back in the back door that comes into the kitchen. And they're like, hey, Anton, we got uh, we got antiseptic and band-aids, the ouch free kind. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, Mick's like, okay, I can't do this anymore. And he takes a wooden spoon and stabs it into Penub's neck and sticks Penub's head on there. And here comes my favorite line in the whole movie. Yes, I know what you're saying. <laughs> they uh they go and open the microwave for burrito time, <laughs> and the fucking hand goes flying out and straight out the window. Yes. And uh, this hand denies all laws of physics. And uh, Penub's like, "Ew, maybe we should clean it first And Mick goes, "Yeah, and while we're at it, we can clean the whole fucking house." <laughs> The way Seth Green says it, I don't know if I've ever heard him say fuck other than this one time. And the payoff is great. It's so sarcastic. And actually, I got that shit out of order. They can see how filthy the microwave is with the door closed and have the discussion about cleaning it. Then they open it for burrito time and the hand flies out. But we cut to uh, Randy and Debbie at the Big Lebowski bowling alley. You're out of your fucking element, Donnie. <laughs> And of course, it's a good place for Debbie to scout for the evil hand because she's watching all these hands go for bowling, bowling balls and everybody's a suspect. <laughs> but they sit down at the bar and Debbie tells Randy the situation. Here it goes. I come from a long line of Druidic priestesses sworn to fight a certain evil force that possesses the laziest fuck up it can find. It will kill as many people as possible. And then drag a free soul into the netherworld. And he tells her, it's like, whoa, I know this dude, Anton. And he was talking about how his hand was doing shit he didn't want it to do. And uh, she's like, take me to his house. So they show up at the house just as the trio is stealing Randy's truck. Because they need to get to the dance to save Molly. Not the Ford. (laughs) Not the Ford. And uh, they back into Debbie and knock her into the street. And Randy runs up to her and kind of creepily looks around and then goes to give her the mouth to mouth. But she's okay. He's got the barf, barf breath, but she's okay. 
So at the dance, we see the uh, the kiss couple getting freaky in the car. We get our obligatory boob shot. And uh, you got to give the customer what they want. <laughs> there it is. And uh, the thing cops a feel and then snaps the girl's neck. And then the dude, we see his head hit the inside of the window of the car once and then pull back. And then this big blood splatter on the on the inside of the window, which is cool. And then it's the offspring. <laughs> and uh, of course, they're doing a fucking Ramones cover, but it gets better later. Oh, and they do beheaded? Yes. Um, so, you know, if I've seen the movie a hundred times, I'm just, and it's your movie and I'm just rewatching it, I'll watch it on, on faster speed. Oh, yeah. And I, don't, I think I was on like 1.3 or something. And, and they're doing uh, fucking beheaded. I'm like, this is too fast for me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now this gym is the same gym that was used in uh, the Buffy movie. Mm-hmm. And I think Jawbreaker. So everybody makes it to the dance. Um, as far as like Penub and Mick and Anton, Molly, we now see Molly's friend Tanya and Randy and Debbie show up not far behind them. And uh, <laughs> we see, I think, I guess it's the principal and he's on the phone trying to get his phone sex thing on and like, I'm sure it's the right card number. He's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, you've been bad and I want to spank you with my ruler. <laughs> But the hand's fucking crawling up towards him while this is going on and goes straight for his junk. I can almost feel you. Wait a minute. I can feel you. <laughs> yes. Anton comes in afterwards and sees the bloody fucking room. But then we see the hand sharpening its fingers in a fucking pencil sharpener. Right. Great touch. In the hallway of the school, Debbie runs into Anton and she's like, I know how we can stop this. Die. <laughs> yes. So he shows her and Randy that he cut off his hand. And that now it's after Molly because earlier when they're leaving before they go to steal the Ford, there was another message written on, I don't know, the fucking ceiling, the fence, something that says she's mine now. And that's how he knows the hands after Molly. And that's what he tells them. And uh, Debbie tells them that, oh, shit, that means if she's the one at once at midnight, it's taking her to hell. And they look at a clock and he's like, oh, we got three hours. And she's like, no, six minutes. Druid time, <laughs> which is so dumb. They could have just <laughs> left that out. But uh, then we cut to the offspring. <laughs> and this is when they're playing Beheaded. Interesting fact. So Beheaded was on their debut album. They re-recorded it just for this soundtrack. So it's not the 89 version you're hearing in the movie. It's the 99 version. But regardless, you can still, I just have to stick on this for a second. This song in particular, you can so hear the TSOL influence of yeah. the offspring big time. I mean, it's one of my favorite offspring songs. Um, Yeah. Out of their old stuff, it, it's fucking the tits. <laughs> so Anton rushes the stage to warn everybody. Texas, like, get the fuck off <laughs> and, the stage. Uh, and we're seeing the hand locking everybody in the gym while this is going on. And uh, everybody starts booing at him. It's like, I cut off my hand. It's going to kill all y'all. And everybody's booing and throwing shit on him. And you'll notice Noodles even throws his guitar pick at him. Like, yeah. dude, get off the stage. <laughs> and uh, Dexter pushes him away. And then Dexter does his one half line of dialogue, which is absolutely fucking terrible. And we get a kind of a Bobo CGI shot here with the way the eyelids stretch and shit. But the hand rips his fucking scalp off and he lets out a horrible scream. Dexter Holland cannot act. That's what I'm getting at. Great musician. Really smart dude. He's like a fucking like 
microbiologist or some shit. I, I was watching a thing about the making of an of uh, the Americana album, and he's like, well, you know, he has a PhD in this. And da, 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 Jeez, da, da, da. I don't and know like, that. I'm like, I didn't know this guy was that fucking smart. I knew he ran Nitro Records. Yeah. Yeah, which has got the AFI shirt on. Yeah, right? he was promoting his own label in this and movie. And I know Noodles was like the janitor at his high school, and he was putting the band together. Noodles overheard him. He's like, well, you know, I could play guitar. Yep. <laughs> and stuff. But yeah, I didn't know about that shit. But at any rate, all hell breaks loose. And, uh, but the only real kill we get is a, a lighting truss falling and collapsing some kids. So Molly and Tanya head into a duct and quickly followed by the hand and then followed by the duo. And, uh, I'm gonna rewind a little bit when Penub is dancing with Tanya. Um, she's like, Oh wow. I really dig your costume. And he's like, careful. It's on kind of loose yeah. <laughs> referring to his own fucking head. But anyways, <laughs> So uh, Molly and Tanya end up coming up on this giant fan in the air duct. Molly jams it with Tanya's shoe and also takes Tanya's whip and is rigging it up for them to climb down. She kicks out the great shit. So Molly makes her way down and Tanya is just already kind of hysterical. Fr- yeah. Hey, that's the word I always forget. I say freaking out or bonkers, but hysterical is what I mean to say. <laughs> you really should try reading books sometimes. Oh, fuck that. Um, <laughs> yeah. While I'm at it, I can read the whole fucking library. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> so Molly makes it down, but the hand wraps the whip around Tanya's neck and she freaks out and jumps. She's hysterical. She's dumb. She's not making informed decisions. <laughs> and uh, the hand like pets the shoe for a second and then pulls the shoe out. And of course, this causes the whip to roll up on the, the axle that the fan's on. And sucks Tanya up. And it's another cutaway. Like, nothing happens on camera. Just just cutaway, splatter of blood all over the floor, and some on uh, Molly. And uh, she takes off. (laughs) And the duo shows up. And Mick is like, I am not going through all this, Tanya. (laughs) And Tub says, that's just not fair. (laughs) And Mick says, well, you can go back if you still want to get a piece. (laughs) Honestly, this is Seth Green's. Funniest lines in a movie where he's playing himself. Now, he's done some funny shit on yeah. Robot Chicken where he's a voice actor, but you know. Yeah, his lines in this are great. Um, so we cut back to what's Anton doing? Because we haven't seen from him in a minute. And he makes his way into the art room. We're now on the Party of Five set. Um, I'm not even kidding here. And I, I'll save that for the end. But he battles the hand puppet. <laughs> and he's just about to bash it with a fucking ashtray. And the duo comes falling from the ceiling through the damn air duct and the hand escapes. And, uh, <laughs> Penum's like, Hey, I made that ashtray. <laughs> it's going to be important later. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, they hear Molly scream. Cause I think I fucked up. We see Molly walk into the art room and something falls from like the door or above her and knocks her out. Right. Um, but they hear Molly scream and they find her in auto shop and she's strapped to the roof of a car that's being raised to the ceiling into a pentagram. Shout at the devil. Anyways, <laughs> that song's played so many times in this movie. So Anton goes to grab her, but rips her dress off instead. Um, they can't get the hand off the controls because it's a strong little fucker, and it's it's in one of the puppets, which is a goofy looking little bald headed puppet. This scene was really too slapstick for me. It felt out of place. Parts of it, yes. Um, the upcoming part, yeah. So Mick spots Mighty Joe Bong. And Penub's like, I made that too. I arc welded it and shit. <laughs> and, uh, I used to say that all the time. I still do it every now and then. I love that line. And I remember uh, 
You remember Will? Yeah. I said it to him one time, and he goes, bitch, you can't even fucking spell Ark Will. <laughs> like, I spit my soda everywhere. Uh, it was fucking classic. But yeah, it's like, the ashtray I'd almost believe, but not this. Those, this is a work of art. Those auto shop boys are two artistes. And uh, <laughs> so Penub goes to hit it, and Anton knocks him off of it and starts ripping the shit out of it. And they're like, yeah, take us some Anton time. <laughs> <laughs> and Molly's like, are you down there getting high with your friends? Typical. Yeah, it's just like, oh, unbelievable. <laughs> but he's actually being smart about it, and he blows the smoke up into the puppet, which causes the hand to fall out. And that just causes the hand to fall out. The puppet's head spins around, <laughs> and its eyes are bloodshot and roll back in its head. I was going to leave that out because it's dumb. <laughs> it's so out of place for the rest of the movie. But anyway. So uh, the the puppet rolls down the handle and it lets it go back enough for the car to stop. But now it's jammed. So suddenly the hand lunges back up through the air towards Anton, just as Debbie and Randy come around the corner and Debbie throws her ceremonial dagger through the air and fucking goes through the hand in midair and straight into Mick's chest. And it does this quick shake and just, it's gone. (laughs) (laughs) And Mick's like, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) That was the perfect reaction. And uh, Debbie's like, well, my work here's done. Time for the ritualistic sex. And she turns around to Randy. She's like, you coming? (laughs) (laughs) I just realized she never freaks out that he has two zombie friends walking around with them. Nope. Well, it's the Halloween party and the Halloween dance. Maybe she thought it was a costume. I would give you that until the knife just stuck in his chest. (laughs) Touche. Anyways. Well, she don't care. It's time for the ritualistic sex. (laughs) She's going to bed her a Randy. (laughs) So, uh, Unwritten Law starts playing in the background. Speaking of soundtrack, Anton cuts down Molly. And uh, Mick goes for a hit off the bong and knocks Penub into the controls, and the car fucking crushes Anton because he's under it. <laughs> and Penub's like, that should have come down a lot slower. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the garage door opens, and the duo goes off into the light. And they're like, you coming, Anton? Yeah, because I guess that was the light for Anton. And uh, they're like, fuck it, we'll just go to you. Yeah. And uh, so we fade into body casted Anton getting taken care of by Molly. She's like writing on his cast and giving him pudding and shit. And uh, it's just what he wanted. He could lay around while some hot broad brings him food. He's just stuck in a fucking body cast. Can you imagine how it must feel to get a husband's bulge in a body cast? (laughs) Uncomfortable. (laughs) That and taking a shit has got to be the worst. Um so if he didn't go into the light and he stayed, why doesn't he look like a zombie? Eh? Sorry, I Wait. love this fucking movie, but it's got a couple <laughs> plot holes. So um, the now angelic duo show up and uh, they're like, yeah, we're, we're your guardian angels now. We have to watch over you and make sure you don't get into any more evil. And uh, it's like, hey, you want to go hit up the vending machine? And uh, they're leaving and... Uh, <laughs> Anton sees I'm under the bed written on the ceiling. And if you pay attention, there was no work put into this. It is the same shot from the two times earlier in the movie. So three times we get the exact same shot of the words on the ceiling. And uh, he starts freaking out and screaming, guys, come back. And they're walking down the hall. It's like, you think we should tell him we wrote it? Like, nah, let's go walk through a nurse. (laughs) (laughs) And we get our credits. And like I said, this, this, movie was not successful like at all i don't know how but it's got great shit in it most of it being fucking devin sawa and seth green yes 
Um, because there's so much good shit in there. Great practical effects. Oh yeah, especially the CGI that fucking probably, animatronic head dude was the fucking shit. And the CGI probably looked good in '99. Yeah, yeah, it probably looked great in '99. I mean, I I remember this is I got a DVD player in 2000. I'll always remember that because that's when I turned 18. And like the first five movies I got were The Matrix, Idle Hands, uh, House on Haunted Hill. Fuck, I was really proud of one of the other ones. But anyways, I just remember this being in the first batch of movies that I had and fucking wore them out. This was like the movie we always, this is our background movie, right? Like we'd put it on like after we're playing video games, we're always working on music, figuring out Nintendo emulators, whatever the fuck, it was always on. <laughs> but um, one thing I want to bring up is the hand was played by uh, the same dude who played uh, Thing in the Adams Family movie. And I feel like a dick because I didn't write down his name. Uh, the house exterior shot in the same neighborhood as Halloween. Yep. Um, the house interior was actually set pieces from Can't Hardly Wait. Okay. With Seth Green. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew about the Halloween neighborhood and I was hoping you'd say that, but yeah, I didn't know about the interior shots. Um, the director said that he loves horror movies. Love, 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 loves horror movies. In the I'm being a dickhead about this because he didn't do any other horror um, that I saw. But like, yeah, and in this shot, I wanted to set up the color on this wall because it's very Dario Argento. And uh, if you see this bit here, this is very John Waters. And like, I don't know. I'm not trying to be an asshole, but listening to the commentary, it's it sounds like the dude's trying too hard. Right. That's, those are like the try hard. I'm an artiste names to drop and you're making a horror movie. Exactly. But I don't know. The proof's in the pudding. I feel like the movie feels like he likes horror. <laughs> At least fucking understands it. That absolutely. So I don't know. I could be completely wrong. And when you're looking at it, because like when he starts pointing out, like you'll notice the parents' bedroom is orange. You'll notice downstairs this wall is orange. That is a very Argento thing. You know, when I did this shot, it's because of the John Waters movie, blah, 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 blah. Like he really does go into shit. And like when you start looking at shit, you're like, fuck, yeah, I never noticed that hallway was so damn green. You know what I mean? And stuff like that. So I'm, I'm probably being an asshole and I'm just tired. Um, yeah, we'll go with that. Um, but I like the movie. It's a fun ride. I come back to that all the time. It's a fun ride. There's nothing serious in it whatsoever. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't push it too far. Right. Um, is it as good as a whole as uh, some other movies? No. Does it have its own problems? Yes. But it's a good movie at the right time for my age and what I was into at the time. When it came out, if you think about it, that was like one of the last movies to just do like a, a new horror idea with practical effects and not be like a PG-13 CGI shit fest. Yep. This was right before all that started happening. And I know we've covered some movies that go against that, but there really was a fucking flood of those movies, you know, all right around the time. Darkness Falls is like my yeah. benchmark for that. Like the scariest thing in that movie is when a fucking rock hits the window at the opening or the girl knocks on the window or whatever <laughs> the fuck it is. This movie, just like the rest of them, was a blast to research, a blast to record, and uh, all all six of these movies, the past two episodes, are are repeaters for me. Like I watch them all the time. Me, the, most of them. <laughs> yeah, it, it was so fun to make, and I wish we could have this much fun every episode. But there's not enough horror comedy movies. But next month is October. Dun, dun, dun. And what happens in October? Uh, Josh's anniversary. anniversary. 
Killer Halloween party, my place. Yep. Y'all are all invited. All seven of them? No, no, no. Everyone in this room. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> and Halloween. So as the slasher and horror fan that I am. We're going to do Friday the 13th. We're going to do Friday the 13th. <laughs> How could I not cover Halloween on the next episode? So if you want to hear Jesse have a roller coaster of emotions <laughs> as he loves a film and then hates a film and then loves a film, you got to make sure you tune in for that. As usual, keep spreading the word. Send any comments to sbspodcast at gmail.com. Follow us at sbspodcast on Twitter and Instagram. See you guys in the next one. And thanks for listening. I hate that fucking show.